Hold on to your mug. We're in for a wild night. Greeting, traveler. Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode 72 of Born to be Wild, a wild exclusive Hearthstone podcast where we have fun hanging out with friends, talking about the wild format of Hearthstone and spotlighting members of the wild community. I am your host, as always, Nate Wolf. It is good to be back on another beautiful, kind of overcast day here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, but as always, really excited to be here and excited to hang out with a couple really good friends of mine, Electric Sheep City and Hydralisk. Welcome back. How are you guys doing? Awesome. I'm really happy to be here. We got a sweet episode and yeah, I'm coming at you from the Vancouver area where it's also a little more overcast. Finally, actually, you know, not that screaming hot of a day so we can right? relax a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it just it feels nice. The coolness in the air is 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 welcomed at this point absolutely I keep forgetting it's possible to get hot in canada i just always think of it as frozen <laughs> yeah, sheep and, how you doing tonight yeah. and meowdy from texas i'm doing pretty well here it's been raining off and on today which is kind of nice because like you said it's been cool but uh humid so mm. humid <laughs> alas we get to stay inside chillax hang out by the hearth and listen to some lore let's go nice nice yeah we're we're uh joined by one of our favorite guests and and return guest uh if 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 you guys haven't met him before you're in for a real treat goliath the dwarf welcome back to the show uh, always a real pleasure to be here like i've told you guys before uh being on these shows and telling the story behind a lot of these hearthstone cards is just become a thing that i look forward to as part of reveal season like oh i'm gonna get to see the theme now i'm gonna get to see what uh, characters are getting turns into cards then i get to talk about them and i just i and, and we're it's we're kind of on our year anniversary first time i was on here was uh skull Mans, which was the uh mid-year mm -hmm. last year so uh it's, here's to another fun year of talking about lore it's so wow, exciting time. Time is flying. That I, I can't believe that happened so fast. Right. So if you guys uh, watching or listening are not familiar, um, typically what we do when, when a new expansion comes out is like the right before the expansion, we'll do a gigantic set review, which is a little absurd at this point. Like we, we break <laughs> records every time. And then, you know, when the set comes out, everything is so fresh and so new, like nothing is settled and there's really no news. It's the perfect time to dig into the lore and, and find out what the stories are behind the cards that we're playing. And so for uh, Scalamance and then Forge and the Barons and, and now Stormwind, uh, Goliath comes on the show. He's a resident lore master and we really dig into the stories behind the cards and it's just so much fun. So uh really yeah really excited to have you back on um for people goliath who may not be familiar with you do you mind giving us just a little intro um you know who, who are you how, how do you get into hearthstone you know not, nothing crazy in depth or but whatever you feel like sharing 
Right, my pleasure. So, uh, yeah, my real name is Daniel. I live here in uh, eastern Iowa. I currently work as a uh, newspaper journalist and photographer. I just recently moved. If anyone watching the video notices, things look a little different behind me than previous videos because I have my own apartment now. I hey, congrats. Yeah, yeah it's, nice. it's a wonderful new step in life. And uh, also the reason I did not pre-order the Stormwind expansion, because I have bills to pay now. <laughs> so I wasn't quite willing to splurge almost 100 bucks on uh, getting packed, so I've just been slowly building the collection this time. Still don't have any quest cards. I'm working on that. Very but, understandable. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I... Um, for my, my username is that you you can I am Goliath the Dwarf across pretty much everything online now. If you see a Goliath the Dwarf, it is me, uh, and it is based off of inspired by back when I played uh, the Dwarf in a product a musical product a musical theater production of Narnia. So like the the White Witch's sidekick, and um, we realized the character didn't have a name. Decided to name him Goliath for because irony is funny. Uh, that That's just kind great. of became became my online identity because I really identify with dwarfs uh, from the moment I saw the Hobbit movie where they have all that stuff in Erebor, just like the, the amazing like the craftsmanship they have and all of that. Like I want to be a dwarf. I want I identify with all of that so much. And as it turns out, in Warcraft and in a lot of other fantasies, dwarves are also often really into the history and the lore. They're like, well, that that's just perfect. That is why I am here, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's always it's always a pleasure to have you back. So I'm really excited to to kick things off. And one of the things that we are going to try to do tonight is uh, really spend the bulk of the show talking about lore. So we'll 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 chat about a couple other things relatively quickly and then we'll jump into it so pretty excited yeah for that. so let's jump into a quick a quick uh weekly recap nate how have you been doing this week what's been going on with you yeah man uh it's been going pretty great this week actually so um i i'm back on that 11 11 star bonus which is always exciting so i i sat down and played uh day one hit legend on day one which is it's always exciting there's pros and cons, right? So I did it before the new set came out. Um, I did something different this time and streamed the entire climb. Like I just, I, it was on the weekend um, and uh, my wife and kid were dog sitting. So I had all this free time, jumped on the stream and went from bronze 10 to legend like in one go. Uh, it took a wow. little, took a little over five hours, but it like, it was cool. And I, I needed uh warrior wins. And so I just did the whole thing with pirate warrior again. And uh it was cool. So I entered at 33 legend, which was awesome. It was just super cool. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm sitting like right, right around like top 100 legend right now, which is cool. Uh, I'm kind of just doing other things as the meta shakes out a little bit. But so my goals for this past month were to keep the 11 star bonus, which I did. And then it was to get one K wins with warrior. And I got there. Um, on the first day of the month. So that was cool. So I got my corrupt garage and it was really fun because uh, during the stream, actually Goliath stopped by and was able to share the lore story behind the corrupt uh, garage about, um, you know, how he got corrupted and the old gods and everything. And that was really fun. Uh, it, it just made it, it just made it that much more fun. So nice. that was great. Um, yeah. 
Uh, aside from, you know, in non-Hearthstone games, uh, I've been playing Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is really fun. Um, it's just a, it's an amazing game. If you like platformers, the artwork is beautiful. The soundtrack is beautiful and, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then real quick, uh, a little movie of the week. Like, this premiered last night, uh, yesterday on HBO, uh, Suicide Squad, the new Suicide Squad. So good. It is amazing. So I, really? like, I watched the last couple and I don't even know if you can call it two, right? Cause there was the, f- <laughs> well, there was, there was one, right. And then. And then there was a Harley Quinn movie that was like Birds of Prey, kind of. Yeah, oh, yeah. Originally it that was, was Birds of Prey. And then since uh, Harley Quinn was the most popular one, they ended up kind of changing it to Birds of Prey colon Harley Quinn and then mostly Harley Quinn. Yeah. And I watched that and it was like, <laughs> eh. this was really good. But it was so this is directed by James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and it had that kind of feel to it where. It, it was, I mean, it doesn't take itself very seriously, but it's it was also surprisingly good, very irreverent, very funny. Like I want to go watch it again because it was it was just amazing. And um, Idris Elba is one of my favorite actors, and he's in it, and um, as one of the kind of lead characters, and it's so great. Um, I haven't gone to the theater in ages, but it's on HBO right now, so they're doing this thing where. They premiere, uh, some movies premiere on HBO the same day that, you know, they come out or whatever. So this is on HBO right now. Uh, Probably we'll rewatch it over the weekend. And it was so funny and so good. I totally love it. It's very bloody. Uh, So if you're squeamish, maybe maybe not for you. But it was great. I had a good time. So, yeah, that's about it. I'm really looking forward to the weekend. I... um, I've been getting some much overdue dental work done and it's good. And my dentist is great, but like my mouth is really sore. Um, and so they're fixing some old broken crowns and stuff, but like who would have thought you prop your jaw open for two hours at a time. Like it hurts for a couple days after. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyways, but that's me. Yeah. I, I'm just excited to be here and, uh, yeah. Sheep. What about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, so I've been having a blast playing uh, with the new cards in Hearthstone, obviously. Um, so I typically start a new expansion out in Standard, just because they have a you know shallower uh, depth of cards. Mm-hmm. So whenever new cards roll out, it typically impacts Standard the most. Um, so I've been playing a, a decent amount of Standard, uh, played a decent amount of Questline Mage, which is really fun. Um, uh, Questline Druid there as well, and Elemental Shaman, and uh, actually ended up pushing into Legend before my run this morning what? with Elemental Shaman. Yeah, um, nice, so nice. At Legend and Standard before Wild this time, which like never happens. Wow. But hey, the was expansion the... came out so early in the month that it just like, got there early. <laughs> what were you using the Elemental that reduced the cost of all the other Elementals? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it I was not actually using the um, new, like, Duplicate Battle Cries Legendary in that one at all, um, but was using uh, the the uh, Thorson effect for elementals and the discount of Battle Cry in your hand, a weapon, uh, the Auction House Gavel, um, and, oh, gosh, the... Um, charge or not charging the rushing um lifesteal elemental as well so those were three of the new cards i want to say there was uh like a a couple others in there as well um 
but those ones were the heavy hitters uh, for the inclusions for the the kind of new crop uh, into that archetype. It's a lot of fun and uh, punishes some of the the slower decks. And if a deck is playing a quest line on turn one, they're doing that, and I'm playing minions, mm -hmm. so it kind of punishes that, which is nice. <laughs> nice, nice, cool. So uh, this, however, is a wild podcast. Uh, not a standard podcast, but I've been playing a lot of wild too. Um, my favorite new deck so far is Odd Questline Hunter. I don't think it's quite as strong and refined as I'd like for it to be. Um, so I've been having a lot of fun experimenting with it and kind of fine tuning it. Um, so that's been a blast. That's kind of my uh, my my pet project over the you know since I've hit Legend. So today. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've also jammed uh, some odd questline druid, courtesy of Schmoopy Daddy. It's that's also been a blast. Um, fun has been kind of the name of the game for me while I've been playing Hearthstone, particularly since the new expansion dropped. Um, so I still want to try the uh, questline and Prince Liam uh, Paladin deck, where it's basically all one drops: mm -hmm. the questline, Prince Liam, and Lothraxian. Um, I I've got like a, a cool theory craft of that that I just need to kind of put into practice. So we'll see how um, okay or not okay that one is. It's probably terrible, but it'll be <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> so there have been way too many fun things to try that I haven't even gotten to that one yet, which is one of the ones I'm excited about. Yeah, hey, you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. Outside of Hearthstone, I finished catching up on the Harley Quinn animated TV show. It may be an animated TV show, but it's definitely not geared towards kids. Yeah. You know, like they, they curse and there's blood and guts and <clears> stuff <throat> like that. So I'm um, very great. If you've got kiddos, don't, you know, like, oh, it's animated. It, it's <laughs> not an animated show for kiddos. Um, Requires so finished... much Mergle. <laughs> <laughs> Many Mergles would be had if, if we were uh, <laughs> playing it here for sure. Um so just finished up uh, the the animated Harley Quinn, uh, catching up on that, and started watching Suicide Squad over my lunch break today. So didn't didn't finish that one yet, but Nate inspired me to uh, to start in on it. And the first like half hour to hour or so is hilarious. It's so, so funny. I, it's so funny. I, I just yeah. I can't wait to finish it up and uh, talk it over with you y'all. And oh my gosh, it's it's hilarious and oh. Can't wait. Uh, so I mentioned that I, I hit Legend this morning before my run. I've actually been getting up early and going for a run before work pretty consistently. It's mm. not been like the easiest transition to try to be like a morning person. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I live in Texas and trying to go running like, you know, the covid and delta variant and stuff like i've got a gym membership but it's you know don't want to you know push my luck or anything like that well if i want to to try and be active then going running is kind of the other option did i mention i live in texas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it has to happen in the morning so mm -hmm. it's my transition to try and get up early to actually get that in so um it's been a an adjustment, but I think I'm kind of starting to hit my stride. Run pun intended, but uh, 
Somewhere ridiculous hat is smiling. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll I'll get there before too long. But uh, until then, it's been an adjustment that I'm starting to adjust to. (laughs) Nice, nice. How has your week been, Goliath the Dwarf? Uh, Well, um, this week uh, has been pretty pretty laid back for me uh, overall. Uh, My last couple of weeks were bursting uh my work hours because we we had like county fairs that i needed to cover and like farming specials i live in a rural community area so i was going around uh learning about a lot of stuff like uh beef and agronomy and all that stuff but uh this week has been much more laid back so i have been uh focusing on but like I said, I, I've been slowly building up a Hearthstone collection. So I what, what I often do, and uh, this might be a different thing from what a lot of you guys do, but uh, when there's a new set, I often just kind of completely clean, clean out my closet in a sense of my decks. I just delete all my old decks so that I have space to just make new stuff. Currently, I only have a Mozaki Mage with one or two new cards in it. And... Uh, a cool um, uh, warrior deck that's got kind of like a, a big recruit warrior type of thing that uh, Shibo and Okajak made and did on his stream and I copied over. Nice. Um, I really want to get my hands on the Warlock, Hunter, and Warrior quest because those mm-hmm. ones look the most fun for me to play. I especially want to try out Warlock because I have Nehru uh, from the... Uh, Baron set, mm. and I really want to have some fun. Maybe not the most optimal stuff, but I want to have fun with a deck that I have a reason to completely burn out my deck, that I get the benefits from it from things like that and Chef Nomi, and uh, then I don't have to worry about the fatigue damage. My opponent can deal with that. And so I just really want that quest for that particular reason, because it sounds really fun for me to play. Um, outside of Hearthstone, I have actually, as uh, even though I talk about lore that comes from World of Warcraft, I actually haven't been playing that game very much. It out of just it, it's in that current phase of the game where there's not really a bunch of content that I'm interested in, so it's not worth a subscription. But uh, I still follow along with the storyline. What I have been doing, I've been doing a lot more uh, GTA Online, which I know some of you guys do as well, and uh, getting in that, going completely free to play on that. I'm not getting any of those shark cards, so it's taking me a while to <laughs> get enough money. I'm trying to get one of those nightclubs now. But uh, that I, I, I did get some game time for Star Wars The Old Republic, which was actually my first MMO, and uh, so I've kind of gotten back to that. I've been watching a lot of The Bad Batch recently, so kind of in a bit more in a Star Wars mode. Uh, kind of in, I, I go through my ups and downs of being really into that. Um, you mentioned uh, playing uh, an Ori game, Nate. I, I've actually owned one of those, the first one for a long time. Oh, I've it's so good. I've never finished it. It's so I good. need to do that. But I have been playing a lot of Hollow Knight. 
uh, which is another amazing platformer with just great art and amazing subtle world building and really challenging. And it's one uh, of the so best I've... games of all time. It's very difficult and it's very rewarding and it's just such an amazing game. Yes. Oh yeah. And and it just so happens that now they're coming out with a sequel, Silk Song. Yep. Uh, which you know I'm I'm working on this just in time before that comes out. So yeah, that's uh, it's kind of been the stuff that. I've been focusing on recently, uh, game wise. Oh, we'll cool. have to we'll have to talk about Hollow Knight off offline. I could talk about it for hours. I would love to. I've pumped like hundreds of hours into that game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still on my first round. Go I'm gonna have to jump in on that too because I bought it a few weeks ago and I haven't actually played it yet. But my wife has been playing. You need to the heck out of it because we both bought it and it's just sitting in my Steam library right now. But um, I, I want, yeah, yeah. And oh, it's the company's first game. Like they wow. made no other games before this, and they I, just hit it out the park with their first one. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're adding Hollow Knight to Game Pass as well, so I should have access to it shortly too. Oh. Maybe we'll play through it together, Hydra. Like let's in, do it in conjunction. Yeah. That's oh, always the best when when you have a friend that's playing the game at the same time as you and you can chat about it as yeah, you know. Yeah, it's so yeah. great. Yeah. As for me, in uh, my week, yeah, stone-wise, uh, the very first day, I guess, of the season, I pulled a Nate and I just jammed a bunch of Pirate Warrior. <laughs> um, but that's actually more like pulling a Hydra, I guess, because I just do that all the time anyway. I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I don't know. I've loved that deck for a long time. Like, and it's funny because I hated that deck at first when everyone loved it uh, back in Mean Streets. I was like a hipster and didn't want to play it, which is kind of funny. And then but you saw the light. <laughs> then I saw the light. Yeah, I really, really did. <laughs> what do you call someone who says I liked it after it was cool? Ooh, that's like oh, I don't know because <laughs> it's like there's a, I liked it before it was cool, but I liked it after it was cool. I don't know. It's a reverse hipster. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The hipster elbowster. Elbowster. The elbowster. Oh my! God. We'll have to come up with something for it. But uh, yeah, I so, need some chat, please. <laughs> so I did that, and I just grinded my way into diamond, and I only did that on NA. I really, actually, haven't touched the ladder on any other server yet. I had a pretty decent pack opening on NA. I generally just lately, anyways, I go for collecting the whole set and i opened the first like the two bundles and then bought some more booster packs afterwards and i scored so many legendaries that like i got really really lucky that i only was missing five legendaries after all that wow and i had enough dust just to craft them instead of buying more packs so i just did it nice dude wow oh yeah yeah, uh, I I ended up disenchanting like a few rares that didn't seem like they were gonna be nerf worthy <laughs> because I keep I like to keep all of the extras right. So I, I just looked at okay, there's no way this card is getting nerfed. I'll just disenchant these to get my very last. So I crafted. I think I I needed five and I crafted four and I didn't have enough for the fifth or enough for the sixth, whichever way it was, and then just crafted it and then. 
ended up getting pretty darn lucky and got the whole thing. I mean, I still did buy two pre-orders and packs afterwards, but I think I came in under normally where you would. So mm. the question decent. is, did you do this for your other two accounts as well? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your wallet. Yeah, no, no, I did not. I spent absolutely zero dollars on the other two accounts. <laughs> I I did I spent like the two thousand gold or whatever it is to get the mini set, so that sort of sets you back on gold a bit when going into the new expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I still ended up on EU having about seven thousand gold on an Asia six thousand five thousand ish something like that. On Asia, I didn't do very well, so I opened like sixty seventy packs, and I only got two two legendaries. Two. Wow. Oh, well, that yeah, hurts. The one in the first ten that you're guaranteed, and then pity timered out on the second one. And now I'm just towards the second pity timer, but oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's brutal. I I ended up getting well, one of them was the hunter quest, so that's cool, not bad. And then the other one was the rogue quest, okay. So, I mean, at least I got the hunter quest, that's all right. But then on EU, I actually nailed it because I opened only like maybe 10 more packs than that, and I opened six legendaries in like 75 packs. Wow. It was yeah, so <laughs> I got uh Jace, the Dark Weaver, the Demon Hunter one. Mm-hmm. I got the Mage Quest, which is super cool. Yeah. And then I got the new Uncle Tony. I got the Paladin Quest, the Priest Quest, uh the new Cornelius Rome. And then I ended up getting the Shaman Quest at the level 20 on the rewards track. So like I killed it on EU. Wow, like I that's, got, great, nice. dude, that's great. That's a great haul. You know yeah. what I got for legendaries? I got Archmage and Sinaitis. Oh, did you? I know, I know that one bums me out. I won Storm and Legendary. And then I also made the really stupid mistake of getting cla- of getting standard packs instead of Stormwind packs for some reason. So I also oh. got Ringmaster Watley. Uh, so if anyone has decks that uses him, I can do those now. But uh, man, you you hit it far better with the legendaries than me, bro. I I did it, it on on EU. I totally did. I bombed on on Asia. Absolutely bombed. But that's you okay. You used up all your luck. You had I, to I balance up, out somewhere. It it feels bad too, but because like I grind for all that gold on like all the servers and just like uh, totally whiffed. But on like. I'm I'm fine. I think you well well that made up for it. My Asia account's the lesser of them all anyway. But um, outside of that, I've been playing a lot of La Noir recently. Oh, I've heard of that one. Never played it. It is a Rockstar game. Ah, yes. And so basically, you're you're the good guy this time. You're not the bad guy. So you're a police officer, and you're catching all of the bad guys. That's cool, right? And like the idea is, you're trying to solve cases. Like you start off as just a cop on the streets at the beginning, but then you become a detective, and you got to search for all the clues and figure out all the cases, and you've got to then go and question people and so a lot of the game is collecting evidence and then questioning people that sounds fun and you have to guess whether they're 
lying or they're not lying and like just when you think you're finally getting the hang of it and you think you know what's going on in the case and like a big part of it is reading their face so rockstar put a lot of effort into their facial movements and how Mm. they act when they talk like sheep is doing right there (laughs) (laughs) but just when you think you're getting the hang of it and you're reading somebody you're like no (laughs) like i thought i had this case in the bag like it was a case where there's between two people that could have been the murderer and i I thought i had it all down i was yeah i could completely was off my boss like kicked me out and demoted me so yeah your in-game boss a real life boss for being about the game (laughs) in-game boss (laughs) i don't know if that was part of the storyline or not that you're supposed to do that bad i have no idea maybe uh, maybe you are maybe you aren't but yeah. it's it's really really fun i i enjoy it quite a lot i like thinking and trying to figure out the case using all the evidence that you find and there's a lot of neat dialogue going on between you and your partners and it's a rockstar game so like it's sort of disguised as being nice and stuff at first but it actually gets quite brutal mm. as is tradition as is tradition. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever played any of the Frogware Sherlock Holmes games? I have not. No. They're kind of similar. So much fun though. Are yeah. they good? Because they're like always on sale on GOG, like for like five dollars or less. Like they're on they sale were, all the they time. They were some of my first Steam games. Uh, I'll tell you this: very little replayability when you remember the answer. Um, but, but, uh, they're good at least if it's on sale and you're good for risking that it might just be a one-time experience. I think that they're, they're pretty good Sherlock Holmes fan fiction interactive. Some of them are original stories. Some of them are based on the classic books. So if you've read the stories, you already know the answer, but, Uh uh, but, um, yeah, no, if, if you like that, uh, style of game and they're on sale, I'd recommend picking them up for a spin. I will keep that in mind. Oh, yeah, I do enjoy that that sort of thing. So yeah, I will definitely keep that in mind. And if they're on sale, lots cool. Uh, outside of games, back into the books I've been reading. What after I finished off Doctor Sleep, I jumped into Stephen King's Salem's Lot, which is very very interesting so far. There's a lot of character building. Like you get to know this in entire town of salem's lot i swear before they like really dig into the story there's so many different characters and stories Mm. going on and um i'm about halfway through and things are starting to get quite creepy (laughs) and there's (laughs) and uh it's it's so far it's a great read it's one of stephen king's earlier works i believe it was like 1975 or so that's about right yeah that tracks yeah and uh yeah definitely enjoying you guys uh, i've read it said you read it i've read it it's good it was actually pretty scary i which a lot of his are not this one was was like good it was really good i remember like okay i have a distinct memory of like i did the audiobook for this one and i was out jogging while listening to the audiobook like late at night like i would do my runs <laughs> after work typically cuz i i was in california at the time and it's really hot during the day and so it's like okay well i'm going to wait until the sun goes down so i can run and it's not so hot i'm here listening to this and 
like it got super creepy and i'm sitting here it's 10 o'clock at night and i'm out jogging and i see all i see is like shadows and stuff I'm like it would creep me out legitimately uh, <laughs> and that's pretty hard to do that's pretty hard to do so hey, this was a good one i liked it <laughs> yeah oh, so far like the, my favorite thing that i enjoy about it is like it's it's known that the book is based on vampires. It's a vampire yeah. book, but it really sets you up to live in like the real world, like our world, and to think that the idea of vampires is kind of ridiculous. Like so, it, everybody's very very human, and so that the idea mm. that there is vampires is it, it's just it's absurd. It's right. very grounded. It's not a fantastical type of setting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't jump in as a fantasy book off the bat. It jumps in as like a, a re- reality book. So mm-hmm. that's where I really like that take. It's it's really neat. That does so, make it a lot more effective. Yeah. 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 So so far, I recommend it. Uh, definitely enjoying it. In uh, last and final news for me on my week. Earlier today, about four or five hours ago, I got my final COVID shot. Ooh, nice. So, nice. Let's got go. that today. Awesome. So far, yeah, it's over with. Yeah. For now, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll feel fine. My wife got it as well at the same time as me. Sweet. So, if you start so, like shooting laser beams out of your eyeballs during the show, we know why. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's great. That's great. Uh, congrats. I'm glad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm super happy. It's it's finally over. My arm feels pretty fine. When I was hanging up my background here, I felt my arm being like a little sore. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's normal. That's normal. That, that is yeah, natural when you are stabbed with a needle to be yeah. sore in that area. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, this weekend gets to remain a weekend, and I don't just sweat it out in bed or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, but um, uh, hopefully that's it. That's it for me. Uh, let's jump into any updates on the listener series. Sheep? Yeah, so we um, are extending our deadline for the season three registration for the third season of the Born to be Wild listener series to August 17th. So for more information about season three, um, as well as, of course, the link to sign up, visit our website and click on the listener series page. Uh, so born to be wild hs.com click on the listener series tab or go straight to born to be wild hs.com slash listener hyphen series yeah i gotta i gotta update it still but but like i'll do it tonight after the show i promise (laughs) it'll be it'll be done um i got some other updates to do on the website but yeah that that just buys us like an extra week to um Kind of finalize things and wrap things up and figure out the challenges and all of that so um yeah we've been doing this really cool cool thing where um people are submitting uh, people in the community are submitting challenge ideas so we get to uh, kind of evaluate those so definitely if you have any challenge ideas we're still accepting those uh, throughout uh the, the coming week um so send those those in um we don't have a specific deadline on that one um because it is kind of determined by when uh we're able to kind of meet and uh you know determine which ones we incorporate and where we incorporate those so that one's a little bit more fluid than having like the hard deadline that the uh, registration has um so if you have any challenge ideas 
pop into the Discord, find that that challenge submission link, um, and submit those in, and it could very well make the season three challenges. Nice. So that's what's going on in the listener series realm. Uh, Hydra, what's been going on in the news this week? Well, in the news, we have the launch of United in Stormwind. It's been <laughs> out for about a week now, but we don't have a whole lot of Hearthstone news, you know, pouring in at the moment. Blizzard's been a little quiet recently. We get it. But uh, Nate could, did a little cool thing as we knew he was going to be participating in a set review with a video with Shibo. And um, Nate, uh, do you want to tell us about the video a little bit? I, I had a quick look at it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, real quick. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. So what, you know, Shibo puts together these great videos and it's all kind of the point. Like if you've ever watched like a slizzle card review, how he goes super fast. That's the point of this one as well is to like, you know, what you spend like no more than five seconds per card. Like it's fast. And so he oh, gathered so like our reviews. <laughs> we have you substitute <laughs> seconds for hours yeah it's uh so so the entire video is about 10 minutes long um and so it's great but so he he gathered a bunch of different people from the wild community and each each person reviewed a class and so um i got to take on the priest class which was really fun and uh it was great and it was fun to see you know different uh, you know, different people's hot takes on cards. And the fun, the fun thing about card reviews is like, were we right? Were we wrong? You know, and, and then gets a review. Like, I mean, already we're starting to see what we thought was going to be good. Maybe not getting played as much. What we thought was going to be terrible is surprisingly good. And, but it was just really fun. Um, what I like about Shibo's videos is like, he's got a great sense of humor. They're really funny. They're family friendly. Like I was able to watch it with my son and, um, and there's a bunch of sound effects and animations and stuff. And it's just, it's just really clean and really fun. Uh, wholesome content. I, I really enjoyed it. So check it out uh, if you get a chance. And, and you know, it, I mean, at this point, like it doesn't even matter if we were right or wrong. Like it was just the fun in doing it. And it's so close that like, uh, or I mean, so close in time to when it launched that we really don't fully know yet. So anyways, yeah, yeah no, it was a lot of fun though. Yeah. yeah she, oh, go ahead. Goliath. Uh, yeah. It's like, a, she was a good buddy of mine. I actually, uh, run a D and D game for some of his friends on discord. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I, I totally recommend that, uh, people check out his, uh, content. Actually, we, uh, uh, we we partnered. Uh, we actually have a series of lore videos that uh, we make over there. So if you guys like the type of stuff that we're going to talk about tonight when we get to the lore, uh, we have a three-part Lore of the Undead series. Part three still currently being made because it takes a really long time uh, for him to animate all this stuff. And we picked a topic that was really time consuming to talk about, but uh, yeah, it's real fun. If you like hearing me talking in a fake dwarven Scottish accent when I narrate things, paired with his animation style, then uh, I, I recommend checking it out. They're, they're fun to watch. Nice. Nice. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Nate, I thought you did really well. I thought the video was great and I recommend anybody Thanks. just yeah, go it was, check it out. It was fun. It was fun completely co-signed right on well up next we have another book of heroes that will be coming out next week Ooh. on august 10th 
and this will be the story of Illidan. So if you guys like this kind of thing, come check it out. Uh, the new bundle will also no doubt be available with a hero portrait as well. The art on this one is done by Alex Horley, who seems to do a bunch of Illidan stuff, and it looks pretty sweet. So, oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm a sucker for these things, so I might be be grabbing this. It's something I like to do. And he's yeah. just crushing that skull of Gul'dan there. Yeah. Uh, so, but the so wings cool. looking. He's got the Hamlet vibe. Yeah. The oh, Hamlet, yeah. yeah. Alas, poor Yorick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's what he says every time you play Skull of Gul'dan card as Illidan. He says, alas, poor Warlock, which is the reference there. So That's great. I get a kick out of that every time. I love it. I love it. I never, I never put two and two together until you just said that. <laughs> I feel educated. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Thank you, Lore Master. <laughs> I also took a Shakespeare class in college. So, <laughs> uh, well, speaking of art, uh, Nate has been working with our artist Christina quite a bit to come up with some new Stormwind themed art for our mascot Nas. And it's not quite fully complete. No, but I, she sent it to me at like midnight last night. Uh, <laughs> the full thing. Yeah, so it's done. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Nice. I, it it looks awesome. Thank you. It's super late last night it came through because she's um, in, uh, I want to say like Vietnam or somewhere, like clear on the other side of the world. And so we're in vastly different time zones. But she's an incredible <laughs> artist. And so... Um, yeah, this came through late last night, and uh, so pleased with it. She always does amazing work, so uh, yeah, really excited. It looks amazing. I love the theme. It just looks great. You yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. So we are working on a new um, finding a new vendor for uh, our merch stuff, and so um, you know, once we can find that, then we can get this put out on you know shirts or posters or stickers or whatever it is. And so uh, you know, I was talking to her about. You know, hey, maybe we um, maybe we do a new one of these every expansion and do it like a theme based on what the expansion is. And she was like, "Oh yeah, that'd be so cool." She's been great to work with, and so um, I uh, am excited for new artwork as always. And yes, uh, it is. He's holding the sword of a thousand truths, so that's <laughs> um, <laughs> a flavor there. It's a lot of fun. He has killed many Elven Moors. Uh, yes, yes, many. Yeah, it's it's a little. You know, I, I was sad that that's not like it's not like lore, lore. It's South Park lore, but uh, it's it's pretty funny. Um, and now it's uh, Hearthstone lore as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then speaking of of merch, just a question that I had for the audience. And again, if you guys are listening, then you won't get the full kind of picture here. Um, so check it out on YouTube or, or the discord or something. But I was talking to Vanga dragon who runs all of the merch for hype horizon. Cause they had some jer uh, jerseys come out that were super cool. And, uh, and we were talking about, um, the potentially getting some born to be wild jerseys made. And he said like, there's, we can, we can do it. But the, when they did them for hype horizon, uh, you have to, like pre-order them in bundles like most of the merch is like print on demand so someone orders it then it's printed then it's shipped mm. but with the jerseys like they don't do that uh you gotta get them made in bulk and so what we would have to do is figure out how many we were going to order and then order that many like take pre-orders or something so 
If you all are interested, let me know. We've got a couple different esports style logos. So uh, our main logo and then the listener series logo. And thinking about making some um, jersey style shirts with these on them. So if that's something that y'all are interested in, let us know whether it's like Twitter DM or um, on the Discord or shoot us an email or whatever. All our contact info is on the website. So, uh, you know, just food for thought, but I thought it'd be kind of fun. Um, I don't normally answer questions from chat during the show because it slows things down, but I'll let's touch on this super quick. Uh, in chat says, I wanted to ask, um, when are the listeners, listener series played? Um, you're from Europe and it's 4 a.m. here and you'd like to sign up, but not sure if the games will be played. So super quick, how that works is sort of like THL. And so it's a it's kind of a weekly tournament series. Um, where there is a special deck building challenge or restriction each week it lasts for i think is it five five weeks and then yeah so three weeks of playoffs five weeks of the regular season and then three weeks of playoffs um so the the top eight go in after three weeks the uh, uh winner uh of each one will um you know basically come victorious because eight down to four down to two um so three rounds in the playoffs. Uh, the biggest kind of constraint there isn't necessarily uh, the time zone, because since you schedule with your opponent every week, um, you know that that's not a, a fixed time, and y'all can uh, uh, schedule appropriately there. But it all, all is uh, on the NA server within Hearthstone itself. Um, so while the um, time zone isn't a limiting factor. Uh, if you don't have a collection at all on NA, then that might be a bit more of a constraint for you. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it's a, basically it's a weekly tournament series. You get paired with an opponent each week. Um, we have a special deck building restriction or challenge each week. And so uh, it's different than like playing on ladder. So special deck building restrictions and stuff. Um, I'll get the website updated this weekend. If you want to visit the website and click on the listener series tab, it'll, I mean, you can visit it right now and everything's essentially the same, but the dates are wrong. Uh, and, and a couple of the format, like the format's going to change from um, last year standing. We're going to do conquest this time, but uh, yeah, check out the website and we'll get it all updated. If you've got any questions, feel free to reach out to us in the discord and we can answer any questions. Cool. Okay. Sorry, I thought I'd get sidetracked real quick, but I thought it was probably important for anybody who's interested in that. Um, for sure. Okay, cool. And then I wanted to chat real quick. One last thing before we get to the lore. Um, it's too early, I think. Like, the set has only been out for just under a week uh, to really get into the meta or whatever. But I think it would be fun if each of us maybe just gave a real quick one or two minute like hot take on first impressions. Uh, whether it's meta or cards that you like or what we were right, what we were wrong on or whatever. Um, and so, you know, real quick hot take and then we'll jump into more of this next week. But uh, Goliath, do you have any, do you have any hot takes on the, the new stuff so far? Well, my experience has been limited. I can say that I think you guys were probably spot on about the new Antonidas card because, as I said, it's my only Stormwind Legendary, mm -hmm. and I cannot for the life of me get anything to work so far. It could just be oh. that I'm bad at building decks, but uh, I'd say you're probably right on that one. Um, <laughs> however, I, I think that the 
Well, like I said before, I want to get the Warlock quests. I think that a lot of people, including you guys, were really underestimating that one. I think that the, and, and apparently I haven't looked at the stats that much, but apparently there are stats to back this up that turns out being able to damage your opponent with your own fatigue, uh, especially when combined with Dark Glare, is actually really powerful. So uh, that, that that's about the extent that I have in terms of opinions. I'll formulate more when I actually get to play more cards. <laughs> yeah. Hyder, what do you think? You have any hot takes so far? Yeah, well, it, so what it seems is Quest Warlock, Quest Line Warlock is pretty darn good. It's, surprise, uh, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've actually been having some fun watching Jack play the list and refine his own list. And, you know, it's it, it's been fun watching him experiment with it. And what I've really seen is when you're in, and I don't know if it's across the entire ladder, but... When you're in a pocket meta, probably like D5 and up, or everywhere, I don't know, but it seems to be questline warlock, questline warlock, questline warlock. Then it's mage, 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 mage. Just like <laughs> it seems to be one or the other from what I've been seeing, and then questline warlock that has secret hate mm -hmm. in it. <laughs> so that's sort of the extent of what I've seen so far. It it seems that it has warped the meta into you know it's one or the other and sort of getting stomped if you're playing anything in between but uh you know new expansion we are you know wild players that complain that the meta gets stale so i don't know Let's go. <laughs> what kind of mage, may I ask? I take it not Antonidas mage, unless we were not all really off of that. No, a lot of secrets. A lot of secrets. Uh, why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah. Sheep, what do you yeah. think? What, have, what, any uh, any quick hot takes? Um, It's a combo and aggro meta, and I love those kinds of metas because I, I like playing aggro. Um, <laughs> control it does not seem to have a very firm grasp on on this meta um uh, so i understand why some people are less than thrilled by it but i'm having a blast um i've been playing a lot of um odd quest line hunter and um that beats out the uh quest line warlock because it just gets there quicker mm -hmm. and it can beat mage because it runs flare at the very least, the one that I made does. So mm. kind of targets a little bit of both, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, so I've been having a lot of fun. A, a, a blast, in fact. <laughs> and uh, But <laughs> I, I know that as soon as uh, the people either get tired of the quest line warlock or it gets nerfed or 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 uh, it'll it'll kind of shift and we'll see kind of how it settles in and what's strong in the meta as it is. Right now, it being a fast combo or f fast face <laughs> aggro, um, I really like those personally, but uh, I understand why, why it's not some people's favorite. Um, how about you, Nate? What are yeah. your hot takes? <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, so here's the caveat, right? We're less than one week in, and so the meta is hardly solved, you know? So if, if oh, yeah. anybody thinks that this is like the new thing. Like, you know, everyone wants to experiment with the stuff and then everybody checks like the different social medias and YouTubes and see what, you know, 
what everybody's playing. And so there's a lot that's still unexplored. It was, I think, real quick. It was like, well, number one, also, clearly we were wrong about the Warlock quest. <laughs> it's much stronger. It's so easy to complete that I think we underestimated yeah. it. And it's so, disgusting how fast that happens. It's so <laughs> fast. It's so fast. And so in this kind of pocket meta where I'm at in top 100, like a lot of people are playing it. And then it was like, okay, what beats that? So then a lot of people were playing Mozaki Mage. And the other one was the quest line hunter. And then I've seen a couple different versions of the quest hunter. One was the odd version and one was a non odd version. And I think that there's merits to both. Um, and it's just unrefined. It depends, you know, the, the non, the odd version does more damage, but the non odd version has more draw. And so it's like, well, you know, what do you want? I think they're, they're both good and everything is still unrefined. Uh, I did see a little bit of, um, uh, this new shadow priest and it seems cool, but I think it's a little bit too slow at the moment to keep up with everything else. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but so far it's cool. I mean, I'm just not sure where everything's going to shake out yet. That being said, wild is so fast and so powerful. It's like, well, you know, you, you got to do something quick. And if you want to play some, something slower like you're probably gonna lose i mean it feels bad saying it but you know i guess we'll see and they've already said like we didn't jump into it but ixar did his ama a couple hours ago and uh i didn't see anything in there that was too crazy but he said that they're meeting on tuesday to discuss balance changes and so we will probably see nerfs mid next week um depending on what people are playing i mean typically they're based on standard and so we'll mm -hmm. see uh, but yeah I, I mean overall it's fun i saw get me out was playing a like a taxes demon hunter like death and taxes demon hunter to try to punish all the warlock players as well and mm -hmm. it looks good i mean i don't know i haven't tried it yet but uh and so far you know at least people are trying new stuff which is cool i um, saw uh imic running geist to destroy all the hunters one cost spells in the quest line hunter and <laughs> totally like take out half of someone's deck or more Rip. how does that yeah. work against the paladin quest which is all about one cost cards i don't know the problem is nobody's playing the paladin quest at least not where i'm at so i don't know i mean i'd like to try it out i'm probably gonna have to experiment in casual i'm too i'm too nervous to tank my rank like i, I i'm at the point where like i'm afraid to lose my 11x and so i'll, I'll try all this stuff but i really want to play with it in casual and try to learn before I take it to the ladder. It just feels a little Spare. bad. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, overall, hey, new cards, new cards are fun. So experimenting and exploring is fun. This is the stage that I love where you can, you know, there's less judgment for trying out things as anything goes. You never know what could be the surprise power combo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's for sure. Experimenting. But this isn't Boomsday Labs. Exploring, <laughs> but this isn't at Journey to Angoro. <laughs> the spot lives on. That's great. That's great. Okay, well, the moment that y'all have been waiting for, it is time for us to get into the lore behind United in Stormwind. And I want to throw out a brief caveat before we get started for those of you who are listening to the audio version 
of this podcast. We love you and we appreciate you, but I recommend watching the YouTube version because as Goliath goes through the stories, we'll have pictures on the screen uh, that represent both the stories in the lore book. So it's like, you know, painted artwork and stuff, along with screenshots from World of Warcraft, along with the Hearthstone cards to kind of compare everything. And that kind of helps paint the picture in some regards. And so um, I recommend it. I mean, you will have fun if you listen to it only, but if you really want to get the full experience, like check it out on YouTube and we will have a, uh, you know, jump right into the lore and and check it out here. So without further ado, I will turn things over to Goliath and we can get started talking about the uh, history of the kingdom of Stormwind. All right. So um, this, unlike some of our previous ones, like uh, especially when we did Outland, we had to go way, way back towards like the birth of a world and whatnot. We don't have to do that this time because we're just talking about the birth of the human civilization. So, you know, (laughs) a few thousand years, not millions of millions. It's it's an improvement. Um, But so basically... um, and, and I will give the heads up that there are going to be multiple points here where we could branch off on tangents into many other closely knit stories here. I will attempt to keep this as streamlined as possible. If you guys have clarifying questions, go ahead and ask, but know that you may add an undisclosed amount of time <laughs> depending on the answer. Um, so... Basically, the origin of humans is its own story, but uh, all you need to know is that they were essentially the smaller, more weakened descendants of these big, huge uh, Viking-like beings called Vikruel. I know, they they slightly changed the word Viking, uh, who uh, (laughs) settled in this uh, area in what would become known later on as the Eastern Kingdoms. And humans were, like I said, they were much smaller, they were weaker, uh, but they had an incredible drive to survive, amazing survival instincts, and they branched off into many numerous tribes, uh, but they had a little problem, and that problem was trolls. Uh, the Amani trolls in particular. If you uh, look at our little map here, which is from the uh, Chronicle book, it uh, uh, mentions the Amani Empire in this huge swath right above that blue area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, the Amani were one of the major troll types, and they had, over the centuries, been... Uh, getting more and more aggressive against the human tribes. And so eventually, uh, a warlord of one of these tribes named Theodane, uh, Thordane, um, sorry, I, I mix up my pronunciations occasionally, I need to double check myself, but uh, he realized that humanity needed to unite if it was going to survive against the trolls. And so he went and through a combination of uh, clever politics, and uh, sometimes having to outright conquer, he managed to unite the tribes. Uh, he was actually a very fair ruler and everything, and uh, built the Empire of Arathor with his capital city as the Fortress of Strom. And uh, that lasted for a really long time, but uh, over, over time, the 
this people began to form other cities that gradually became their own independent city-states. And then their own independent kingdoms. And uh, it's kind of like they were all playing rounds of Sid Meier's civilization, basically. <laughs> and uh, so eventually the core kingdom of Erethor lost its influence and uh, they became many broken uh, broken off kingdoms. And we have our uh, another map here where you can see several of those kingdoms along with other areas. Uh, you may recognize a couple names. Uh, so we have uh, places like the island of Colteris, we have the nation of Gilneas, we have the large northern kingdom of Lord Ron, and uh, all of those are areas that be became specialized in one thing or another, like having a great navy or being a religious center or whatnot. But um, what happened was that there were still a whole bunch of noble families that were in the original capital that was just crumbling to dust. And so they were like, okay, what are we going to do? Some of them went north to the kingdom of Lordaeron, but others decided to go down south to an untouched land and uh, found a new kingdom, and that became the kingdom of Stormwind. Stormwind. Ah, there it is was focused in a very lush area, had a natural protection with cliffs around it, a natural harbor, and just really good uh, lush forests and farmland all around. It was really a good place to settle a new kingdom. And so that is how uh, Stormwind was initially founded, and how a relatively peaceful existence for a kingdom for a decent amount of time, a few centuries and whatnot. You have your typical kingdom, political struggles, and all of that. But uh, overall, nothing unusual was happening. Until they had to face an enemy about 75 years before the, uh, the first Warcraft game starts. I'll give you guys three guesses as to... Uh, not you, Nate, because you know what it is. Uh, <laughs> hi, Jared Chief. I'll give you guys three guesses as to what this terrifying enemy was that uh, threatened Stormwind. I mean, the Horde? Quest? Horde wasn't here yet. Okay. Um, this is before the Horde. Before the Horde? Mm-hmm. Oh, boars. Closer <laughs> than you think. Not boars and not quill boars. Quill boars are over on another continent. But uh Hydralisks. <laughs> it was, it was the same that came. Nope. Nope. It was Knowles. Oh, I was uh, not gonna get I that. should've known it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yep. And so Yes, the gnolls, these uh, hyena-looking creatures, had always been pests, but uh, if they happened to get a, one of those random great leaders that comes along that happens to have a very strategic mind about things, and uh, this guy was named Packlord Garfang. And uh, he united the gnolls together, and they started becoming a real threat towards Stormwind. They were just sacking all of the farmland around, creating a big problem for the outlying civilians. And so everybody retreated into the city of Stormwind for protection. Then they started attacking the city of Stormwind, too. And it took the uh, great king, uh, whose name was King Barathin Rin, 
So that last name might sound familiar to you guys. This mm -hmm. is Varian's grandfather, Anduin's great-grandfather. Uh, and he came up with some pretty clever strategies to defeat the gnolls, uh, largely boiling down to tricking them into making another full assault on the city. But it turns out that gnolls are pretty cowardly creatures, and so the leader actually hung back in his own camp, because, like, pff, he, he's not going to risk his life actually attacking the city. He's just going to send his minions to do it. So uh, <laughs> the king got all him to commit all his forces to the big assault, uh, while he and his uh, guards snuck around and uh, eliminated uh, the pack lord and his bodyguards, and without that strong leader, that they just all were disorganized again, and that was the end of the Null Wars. Uh, but that that was kind of the start. By the way, this is the same species as Hogger, mm -hmm. but the Hogger wasn't around yet. Uh, he was a different Null who caused problems later on, but uh, this this is his same species here. So, uh. Now I, we have uh, the first uh, four Rin Kings that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Did, well, I was going to ask you, Do you, should we take a look at the city itself, like of all the statues and stuff, or do you want to do that later? The statues come in much later in the story. Okay, We still cool. have uh, other stuff to talk about first. All right, cool, cool. Just, just cue me when it's time, and I'll pull that up. Sure thing, Love sure it. thing. Uh, but yeah, you... Um, let me check. I have I have to check our listing right here. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, you can go to the next slide area. Yeah, so um, the next Rin that we're talking about was King Lane Rin, uh, the son of the previous king, of course, and uh, he had a different problem. Not Knowles this time. But trolls, and not the Amani trolls either that were up in the north that uh, the humans had united in the first place. No, he these. Has internet trolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure those will be the threat like 50 expansions from now. <laughs> uh, but no, these were the southern forest Gurabashi trolls. Uh, I'm sure that name might ring some bells for you guys. Berserker. Gurabashi berserkers. Gurabashi chickens. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they had a pretty uh, strong place in uh, Rastakhan's Rumble. Uh, did lots of troll tribes. Uh, there's lots of troll tribes. But uh, these are the, the two ones that mainly concerned with Amani in the north and Gurabashi. They're the fierce jungle trolls in the south. And uh, they had been causing some trouble because if you may have noticed back on our map of the kingdoms, uh, they're just south of Stormwind. So as Stormwind kept expanding into outlying settlements and whatnot, they're kind of intruding on the trolls' territory. And so there's a lot of struggles with that sort of stuff. But again, they kept uh, increasing the aggression a bit more and a bit more. Um, uh, King Barathund wanted to keep things uh, non-aggressive. He's just like, okay, we're, we're going to strengthen our guards here. Uh, we are going to make sure that all our civilians are better protected, but we're not going to assault them. Mm. His son, Prince Lane, disagreed. <laughs> he thought, we need to go in and show these trolls who's boss. Um, and he had two friends who are also at Hearthstone here. One of them 
uh, is the guy that, that you know as the party man from Karazhan, uh, Medivh. And uh, the other is Thorwin's warrior legendary, Anduin Lothar. Uh, the three of these guys were the best of buds from the time that they were kids. Uh, Medivh was the son of the court uh, conjurer, Nila Saran, who you may remember as uh, you fight his ghost in the Karazhan adventure. And uh, then the three of them were just really good buddies, and they decided to go out on a secret uh, undercover mission together to uh, strike at the Gurabashi trolls without the king knowing about it, uh, because their logic was, hey, you know what? Come on here, Ed. Lane, you're literally the king's son, and we're all really close to him. So if anyone can get away with disobeying his non-aggression order without actually facing consequences, it's us! So how about the three of us just go and sneak into the troll, uh, the heart of the troll empire here, and we'll just uh, destroy them, uh, just the three of us, and uh, prevent them from attacking, and then we'll just go with the idea that it is easier to ask forgiveness than to obtain permission, and everything will be great! Uh, didn't quite work out that way. Oh, they, no. <laughs> what they they did, they got captured by the trolls. Whoops. <laughs> and Medivh ended up being able to free them with his powerful magic, kind of accidentally tapping into uh, the dark spirit of Sargeras, the demon lord who had possessed him since his conception, which is a whole other story uh, that we can talk about another time, perhaps. But uh, anyway, like he, he had to do this complete uncontrolled burst of power that annihilated all the trolls around, and they managed to get away. But all that did was rally and literally unite every other troll in the area to go and attack Stormwind. They oh, literally no. make things worse. Um, yeah, and so our image right here was because uh, we have all of the trolls who are attacking the city. Mediv had to uh, go Super Saiyan again and uh, just completely unleash his full power and uh, he just annihilated them with uh, fire spells, frost spells, arcane spells. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he used uh, three spell tribes there. Uh, it almost is like he was working to complete the new mage quest line. <laughs> Does Mediv have to take like a really long nap after he goes super sane um that depends uh at this point he was his powers were still uh he was just learning to tap into them and was very afraid of the uncontrolled it took a desperate situation like this for him to just unleash everything um actually the, the when his powers first emerged on his 14th birthday uh he went into a coma for many years from yes. the shock of it. Very yes. long nap. Yes. That was just a one-time <laughs> thing. He gradually obtained more <laughs> control over his powers. But yeah, that, uh, that was the, the thing. So this was known as, surprise, surprise, the Gurabashi Wars. Uh, the, 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 these are pretty easy to remember names. You fight the Nose, you call them the No Wars. You fight the Gurabashi, you call them the Gurabashi Wars. And so... Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, what's... Oh, we have a question. Uh, Shmoopy, was he influenced by his demonic possession? 
Yes, that is correct. Again, we won't go too much into that, but he kind of discovered to his horror that as he was fighting against the trolls, he was making their deaths as excruciating as possible, and uh, he was enjoying it. He was very horrified to realize how much he was enjoying torturing them to death with uh, arcane fire and whatnot. So, yeah, that, that sort of thing will happen when you're unknowingly possessed by the Lord of all demons. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so that was uh, that was the Gurabashi Wars right there, and uh, but then th- what happened? Unfortunately, was ki- the king died in the fight, Oof. and Lane became the new king, and he had so much guilt, so, so much like survivor's guilt, and like because they were literally like we caused this, and no one else knew. They were like, "Hooray, Medivh saved Stormwind," but no one knew that. We actually kind of doomed Stormwind too, uh, and so they they just kind of decided to you know just try to make up for it by being responsible as they grew up to protect the city. Medivh went off to go and try to learn to control his powers and move into Karazhan uh, when with his mom, and uh, Lane became the new king, and Anduin Lothar ended up becoming a high-ranking general in the Stormwind military. And that sets everything up for the Dark Portal. And now we get the Horde coming in. Uh, which, again, how they got here is an entire other story. But um, it's uh, enough to know that basically what happened was Sargeras possessing Medivh made contact with Gul'dan over with the orcs, and together they pooled their power to create the Dark Portal as a way to bridge the worlds so the orcs could come over and conquer Azeroth for the Demonic Burning Legion. You know, it's, it's a simple three-step process. You know, <laughs> establish contact, make portal, bring an invading army. It's easy. <laughs> profit. Yeah, profit, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, we've gone through quite a bit. Does anyone have any clarifying questions before we move on to this next uh, League of the Story? Not that wouldn't go down a far longer tangent than we would probably have time for. (laughs) Because we want to learn a little bit more about Stormwind than the tangents that I would take us on. That's true. Your tangents could result in more episodes with me on them. We'll see how all that works. Um, okay, so yeah, we can uh, move on to our next slide here, Nate. Okay, so I've got I've got Cadgar up here. Where does he fall in line? Well, Cadgar became Medivh's apprentice during this time, and uh, he was kind of sent to spy on him a little bit. But uh, he he uncovered that uh, oh, uh, like turns out that uh, things aren't uh, quite as they seem here because Medivh is acting like he's trying to protect Azeroth from these invading orcs uh, and they're just learning what the heck these things are. They've never seen anything like them before. At first they thought they were probably mutant trolls, but no, they're an entirely different race. Uh, And then it turned out (laughs) that um, Medivh seemed to know a lot more about these orcs than he was letting on. It's like, hmm. So he just kind of does some investigation and eventually learns that, oh, turns out that my boss is actually possessed and he's the one who caused all of this. Oopsie. So uh, that that uh, comes in a little bit later. But uh, yeah, Cadgar was at this time Medivh's apprentice and just kind of beginning his investigation, so to speak. And he befriended another frequent uh, visitor of Karazhan, Garona, 
Garona half-orkin, who is actually half-orc and half-drenai, uh, over back from in Azeroth. Uh, she was basically in, mentally enslaved by Gul'dan. He had powerful uh, magic that shackled her mind, forced her to do whatever he wanted her to do. Uh, so she was like one of his top spies and assassins and all of that. And so she was, uh, but she also really hated him because she was a slave. And so she just kind of hung around a bit. Uh, Gul'dan let her do that because he got information that way. She preferred uh, being around Karazhan and Medivh and Khadgar than having to be with her abusive boss. So uh, that, that's, that, that's mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, then we, we can move on to the next uh, slide because this is all going to come to a head here. Well, I've got, because, yeah, what, mm-hmm. where, does, where does the Kingsbane fit in? Ah, so what happened was this is what we call the first war, the first war between the orcs and the humans uh, and the, the first versions of the Alliance and Horde in a sense. So at this point, the Alliance was literally just Stormwind and the Horde was literally just these orcs. They would grow over time. And uh, what happened was that Anduin Lothar was one of the ones to encounter the orcs, and he was promoted to be the king's champion. Uh, So he was basically in command of all of the forces of Stormwind, all of the alliance forces. And uh, so, yeah, he is a really big deal here. He is the leader at the time. And makes me really wish that people would play his card more or that it was a better one because this guy deserves uh to be remembered like this unfortunately people don't seem to think very much of the card but uh yeah so he so there was like you know various military campaigns that you play through in uh warcraft one even though that game is a very story focused and so you ha- don't really know what's going on inside as uh nate, nate uh, mentioned a little while ago because he played uh, warcraft one and two right oh yeah oh yeah and uh, so uh, this is the story that happens in the very first game, Orcs and Humans. And the way that it ended was um, Grona was working with the Alliance uh, because, like I said, she really hated Gul'dan and the Horde and all that. But and she was trying to mentally resist all of his control. Unfortunately, um, she kind of snapped. Uh, she lost control right when she was talking with King Lane. And she kind like, Gul'dan was like, kill the king, kill the king, kill the king. And she's like, no, 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 no. And then she just broke. And, like, she was crying as she did it. Because he was her friend at this point. But she took out Kingsbane, which is why it's called Kingsbane, or the Kingslayers, and slayed the king with it. Uh, just a little light regicide, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then just escaped in the middle of the fighting. This had a really big impact on Lane's young son, Varian, who happened to be right there and saw his dad's orc friend kill him. And that forever biased him against orcs. Uh, he would always suspect that they were going to betray him because, you know, these things are impressionable when you're a kid. It didn't help matters that uh, while they were retreating, because that this just kind of, you know, you kill the leader, it 
uh, lowers morale. That allowed the Horde to conquer Stormland. They just completely burned it to the ground and all that. And so you have that they're trying to escape all the citizens of Stormwind. And uh, Varian's mom happens to die uh, uh, while they're trying to do that. So... Yeah, it, what a great day! You get you lose both of your parents one after another thanks to the horde. Uh, it's Varian Batman. <laughs> <laughs> only only if we can drop. I suddenly have a strange desire to see fan art of Varian as Batman and Gul'dan as the Joker. I don't know why, but <laughs> you just uh, suddenly put that desire in my head randomly. Um, I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we actually have an uh, image on one of the slides of the flea uh, from Stormwind, which was led by Anduin Lothar uh, as the commander. Yep, you can see uh, he's there, and they just all sailed away and retreated to that northern kingdom of Lordaeron that I mentioned earlier. And there, because... See, the thing was that Stormwind had long been isolated, uh, which was why no kingdoms came to their aid when they were fighting the Horde, uh, when their city was being demolished. Uh, part of that was because, well, basically, uh, you, you, you know, have you guys ever known or maybe even been that uh, kid at school who's on the shy side, but everyone misinterprets it that you're really snobbish? And they, they don't want to have anything to do with you because they think, oh, he thinks you're too good for him. That was kind of the reaction that the other kingdoms had to Stormwind. Because uh, they were like, you never wanted to hang out with us before. Why should we come to your aid now? <laughs> like, you're probably just blowing this whole thing out of proportion. What you're saying, these orcs from another world are attacking you. It's, you're probably just exaggerating things. I, I know that you're it's you're just dealing with rebellious peasants, aren't you? That that that's the only problem. Oh, by the way, your religion is stupid. Uh, so we're we're not interested in helping you. <laughs> that was basically their reaction. Wow. <laughs> also, we happen to have the little thing of Deathwing being uh, taking on the disguise of human form as a noble who was just kind of convincing them that Stormwind that he was a noble from Stormwind and yeah this was all they're just blowing things out of proportion so you had a bit of evil dragon influence in there too but it was also just selfish politics on the part of the other kingdoms but now that all these refugees are pouring in and you have a ton of eyewitnesses they're like oh maybe we should have listened and all of these uh, orcs might be coming for us now. Uh, what should we do about that? And so uh, we have a couple images of uh, on, on our uh, next slide or so here of what became known as the Council of the Seven Nations, which was where the Alliance of Lordaeron was formed. Uh, this included the leaders of the kingdoms. Uh, Antonidas was the leader of Dalaran, and Gangreymane was the leader of Gilneas, though he wasn't a worgen at this point, but that was in his card, so we're showing it here. Uh, that, that happened a lot later, and again, it's an entirely different story that we can talk about another time. He's wearing but the yeah, same uh, outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. it's, it's pretty easy to recognize him by his, his <laughs> that gray and gold cloak, and and there, of course, is Antonidas in the same outfit. So those are easily mm -hmm. recognizable. And then I assume that's that's Anduin Lothar in the middle, right? That kind of looks yep. like him. And yep, the guy with the gray beard. Yeah. Uh, then we 
Yeah, the guy with the horns, his name is Trollbane, and uh, he was a member of a very few uh, noble houses that were too stubborn to leave Strom, and they just kind of stayed in the crumbling capital in what became known as the Arathi area, named after uh, the Arathi Empire. And um, yeah, so the, he, he was from that area. And then we also had the... Uh, a couple other kings. We have like uh, Grand Admiral Dalen Proudmore, who is Jaina's dad, actually. Oh, uh, he's the mm -hmm. one with the admiral kind of jacket on. Yeah. Yep. With the black hair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. And so we have just a couple of uh, bunch of different leaders from there who are spending a long time arguing about should we unite against this? Is it worth the investment? Uh, they had a lot, a lot of arguing. Like, it's politics, you know. Like you know. I, I cover small town politics right now, and people can spend hours debating on whose responsibility it is to move a pile of dirt. I kid you not. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. True story. And uh, so you can imagine all of these kingdoms, they're spending a really long time doing this. Uh, but they are rallied by Torellian. Uh, Torellian is a priest at this time. Paladins hadn't quite been invented yet, so he's just a very high-ranking, influential priest here. Um, but uh, he gets up, and he rolls really well on his charisma score, and uh, gives this great <laughs> speech about how if they do nothing, uh, they will be remembered by history as the indecisive kings who were destroyed by their own ineptitude and unwillingness to cooperate with each other. And he literally has Orphan Varian up, and he's like, do you want every, all of your kids to end up like this guy right here? Um, and so, yeah, they all decide to form the very first official alliance, the Alliance of Lordaeron, which is the, the uniting of these human kingdoms all together, and they are going to go and combat the Horde when it comes for them. And then we have the second war, which is in the second Warcraft game, but none of that really involves Stormwind, so we're just going to skip over it, because uh, Stormwind wasn't rebuilt until after the Horde was defeated at the end of that war, and they got chased back beyond the Dark Portal, and the portal was destroyed, though it would be reopened later, and uh, then they decided, okay, you know, some of some of the Stormwind nobles are staying up in in uh, Lordaeron because well they don't want to go back to their old ruined home. There's just too many bad memories there. But others like Varian do go down and they rebuild it. And uh, Teralian uh, crowns Varian as from prince to the king and gets him set up with a bunch of nice uh, you know advisors and everything to uh, get him set up and on his feet. And Varian eventually uh, marries his uh, queen uh, in a politically arranged marriage, which they initially really hated each other because of it, but then it became a very strong affection. Uh, her name was Tifton. She was known to be very beautiful and very kind. And uh, so that there was a lot of work in the rebuilding of Stormwind. Unfortunately, black dragons became a thing. Uh, uh -oh. <laughs> You guys remember what I said, that Deathwing uh, took on human form and he was meddling in things beforehand? Well, yes. he wasn't through yet. Uh, as a side note, all dragons can take on a humanoid form of the moral races. They can be whatever they want. Uh, they just kind of, it's based off of their personality, what they tend to transform into. And uh, 
Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, Reno is a treasure hunting human uh, for whatever reason he decided to be that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so Deathwing takes on the guise of the noble Lord Prestor and uh, does a lot of influence there. And he also brings along uh, his daughter, Lady Katrina Prestor, who is actually his dragon daughter, Onyxia. And uh, I kid you not, this is literally uh, in the lore. Onyxia said to another dragon once that the reason she chose the form she did was because it was one that quickened the hearts of men and made them easy to manipulate. Yeah, she, she basically pulled an Ursula and was like, <laughs> I am going to be the sexiest human lady that I possibly can because it allowed me to get a lot of political power because hormones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she became a noble of the court with a lot of influence uh, as uh, Varian was uh, growing up and taking on more of his authority and stuff. One of the ways that she managed to pit things uh, against each other, uh, she, she would often really work to uh, influence that forces were not sent to areas where the black dragons were doing stuff. Uh, like her brother Nefarian, who uh, you may also know as Lord Victor Nefarious from the Black Rock Mountain. That was his human guys. I didn't they, they know. I didn't mm -hmm. know that they were brother and sister. Okay. Yep. yep. Here, here's the thing about dragons is that all of the dragons in a dragon flight are the children or the consorts of the aspect. Sometimes both. Don't think about it too hard. Uh, <laughs> So, yes, basically every black dragon was either mating with or a child of Deathwing. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Nuxia and Therian were brother and sister, and they just kind of leaned into that for the whole human disguise thing. Like, oh, yeah, we're, we're a noble family uh, that uh, happens to be very manipulative and happens to want to divert all military forces away from anywhere where the black dragons are doing stuff because they viewed humanity as the greatest threat to uh getting their uh black dragons rule in the earth and all that so they decided to do things through uh you know through political manipulation one of the things that uh katrina prestor did prestor um was that the stonemasons guild had been uh, one of the chief forces in rebuilding Stormwind. Like, they spent a lot of time working on rebuilding an entire city that had been destroyed by the Horde, and it was time for them to be paid. Um, the nobles didn't want to pay them. They, they wanted to pay them a very small amount, uh, while the Stonemasons Guild decided that they wanted to increase their demand uh, because they were starving. And she played both sides against each other, constantly uh, convincing them to dig their heels in and not give in. And Varian was trying to be compromising about stuff, and she kept on trying to influence him, but uh, he was too strong-willed for her, even with her magic. And uh, so, eventually, she managed to convince the nobles that they were just not going to pay the stonemasons at all, which resulted in a huge riot... Uh, like a mob throwing rocks and everything. And uh, one of those rocks happened to hit Queen Tifton, and she died. Uh, oh. And that 
flew Varian into uh, quite the uh, depression, which made him a little more susceptible to uh, Anixia's magic. By the way, the leader of the Stonemasons Guild is none other than Edwin Van Cleef. Oh. And the Defias Brotherhood is was founded by those disgruntled stonemasons who decided, you know what? Screw those nobles. We're just going to take what we think we're owed by force. And they became the uh, a, a very great threat to Stormwind, actually, uh, with a very large criminal organization. Yeah, we can see the image here uh, right below Edwin. There's uh, Varian holding his dead wife. And yeah, he's really upset about all this. But... Uh, he gradually got better because uh, he, he became very attached to his son, Anduin. Uh, and as his love and connection with Anduin grew, his willpower returned and it became a lot harder for Nixia to control him. And so she decided that she needed to take really drastic measures if she was going to be able to manipulate Varian. Um... What would you guys do uh, if you, you, you're a you're a magical dragon disguised as a, a sexy human lady noble, and you want to be able to control the king? What uh, what, what what would you do? So uh, I've read the first graphic novel, so I think I know what happens mm, there. So okay. I'm going to recuse myself from this one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a trick question. I don't know if I should answer. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer, but I but based on the um, you know the the trailers for all of this stuff, I assume the answer is become his teacher. Uh, you know, influence the uh, influence uh, you know the king from within or whatever. That's close. That's really really close. What she did was she orchestrated that Varian would be kidnapped by the Defias Brotherhood and taken to an island. There, she performed a ritual that literally split him into two people. One of them was a weak-willed Varian, just the, uh, the, the part of his personality that enjoyed the luxuries of courts, the privileges of being the king, and uh, was very infatuated with Lady Katrina Prestor and would do anything she said. Uh, the other half embodied Varian's iron will, his, the part of him that could never be broken, that could never be swayed. And she decided that she was just going to separate these aspects of, person, of Varian's personality into two people, and she'll kill the strong-willed one, and have the other weak-willed one be her puppet. And, uh, well, yeah, that, that's, that's entirely reasonable uh, <laughs> as a political move. But uh, it didn't quite work out as she planned, because their ritual was interrupted by attacking Naga, and the strong-willed Varian managed to escape in the chaos. He lost his memory, mm -hmm. and uh, he ended up becoming a gladiator alongside Valera Sanguilar and a night elf druid named Brawl Bearmantle, all working for an orc named Ragar Earth Theory. Stop me if this sounds familiar. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep, so this is where the Valera Book of Heroes comes in. Cool. Mm-hmm. And now this is uh, getting to be the general setting. Uh, we're at that point where the the year story that we're in for Hearthstone right now, this is where this is set. 
where there's been all this stuff with uh, stuff going on in the Barrens. It's all that same timeline. It's uh, where the story with Valera is going on. And at this point, uh, eventually, Varian makes his grand return, but it's the weak world Varian. And uh, he had he had been presumed dead, and Anduin had been crowned king actually with uh, High Lord Bolvar Fordragon as the Regent Lord because you know Anduin is a little kid right now he, he can't rule a kingdom on his own so Bolvar Fordragon is the one in charge of guarding him. I get a kick out of how this is our third card for this guy, and uh, he kind of uh, combines the aspects of the previous two cards we've had of him, because he does hand buffing, uh, that was kind of a thing that sort of happened in his first card, and it's about Divine Shields. Uh, uh -huh. th this guy is going to eventually become a Lich King, yeah. but uh, <laughs> right now, he's just a really good knight. Uh, he's actually not a paladin, they just... Put him in the paladin class for whatever reason for hearthstone but uh he is anduin's protector and uh, when varian comes in and he's acting different um bolvar and anduin are the two who most suspect that something is not quite right here it's like no we know this guy he would never be this much of a simp like like seriously this uh he, he just like, he just looks at uh, Lady Prestor, and she gives a little wink and a nod and says, Oh no, you don't want to actually fight your enemies. That would use resources. It's like, nope, she's right. She's right. Uh, but we'll just we'll just stay where we are. We won't we won't go and help in any of our acts or anything. Because, uh, yeah, she, she's just trying to weaken everything as much as possible. Uh, but then eventually... Strong-willed Varian uh, comes along after many, many adventures, which are far too many to recount here, along with his friends, which took an entire comic series that uh, Sheep, you said you read the first version of. Uh, mm -hmm. I have yet to actually pick up any of those. But uh, see, can you imagine the, the reaction that each of these variants have where they come in and they see another version of themselves? Like, how would you... Meme. <laughs> yes, Spider-Man meme, exactly! And uh, each of them is like, I'm the real variant. No, I'm the real variant. <laughs> like, literally. And uh, then eventually, uh, because they did learn about uh, Anixia's true identity in uh, over the course of their adventures, and they get her to reveal her true form, and uh, Anduin tries to convince... Uh, both versions of his dad to stop fighting because hello there's the evil black dragon right behind us why don't you focus on that a and so she uh kidnaps him and flies him directly to anixia's lair um so you know at the start of the anduin book of heroes he just has that little passing blurb like my father fought dragons to save me a and they just never address that at all this is that story that they never mentioned in the book of heroes what a uh, huge story like <laughs> I would I would love to play this. This is so great. Yeah, that would be, it would make a great so adventure. Oh now, man! Mm -hmm. What uh, what happened here is uh, uh, Jaina Proudmore actually gave both versions of Varian a uh, two different special night elven blades uh, with ancient magic and all of that. And uh, while Varian's the Varians were fighting Anixia uh, along with their allies. The um, she tried to kill him, 
but kind of accidentally just ended up fusing them back together. And that also fused the two swords together, and that created Chalamane, uh, which was, was so you see in uh, in his card where varying King of Stormwind, he has like the two swords, one in each hand. So that that was what it could do. It was one sword, but could also split in two, and that was kind of his signature weapon ever since. Oh, I see. So yeah, okay, it's hard to see, but yeah, there's two swords there, mm-hmm. one one in each hand. Okay, okay. Cool. Like yeah, a lot of. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of charging forward uh, with those. And um, yeah, that is basically the point where we are at in United and Stormwind. Uh, I think that right now, you know, obviously since uh, Pre- Lady Prestor is still around in the cards, in the trailer, and she has like influence over Anduin or whatnot, um, this is probably set either before even the weak Lovarian returned, but definitely before she was killed. So that provides you with a bit of context. There's other stuff that happened in the story later on. Uh, and this very lovely image from the Warcraft Chronicle book here is uh, after Varian was fused back together and he's just kind of having a bonding moment with his son. Uh, unfortunately, the fusion was a bit imperfect. His low gosh side, his aggressive side, would always be a bit more on top. And so that he was uh, that was one thing that really got in his way with trying to make peace with the Horde, like Jaina was always trying to get him to do at the time, uh, it, on top of the whole seeing his father murdered by orcs uh, early on in life. And, uh, but yeah, that's uh, the, the basic story of Arian. Uh, Stormwind doesn't take a center stage in lore that much more. It was uh, burned down by Deathwing during the Cataclysm, uh, so th- there was a lot of destruction for all of that stuff, and then eventually was rebuilt again. Um, so, d- very... Mm-hmm. Just yes? uh, just looking at the pictures here, like, Deathwing is huge! Like, oh, yeah. Like, the head is, like, the size of the whole giant castle. Like, it's crazy! <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, without going into the cataclysm, so what? Deathwing, what is getting revenge on killing Nexia? Deathwing is acting. Deathwing is acting as an agent of the old gods in order to bring about the end of all things. Mm. Uh, the hour of twilight, which we'll get into a little bit later, actually, when we talk about Dark Bishop Benedictus. But uh, yeah, so basically he could have destroyed all of Stormwind, but he just kind of wanted to destroy enough of it that would freak them out uh, so that they would, well, we'll get to that a bit later on, actually. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so currently uh, at this, uh, where we are in the Warcraft game and story right now, uh, Varian... Uh, died at the hands of Gul'dan from an alternate timeline. It's a long story. Um, uh, during a, an invasion with the Burning Legion. And uh, Anduin has now been the king for a while. And uh, he's always been about peace. So he's really trying to figure out how to balance his uh, responsibilities as a king. That sometimes you do need to go to war with his uh, priestly, peaceful side. Virion was always trying to get him to be a warrior. It took a really, really long time for him to accept that uh, peace was actually okay and that his son just wasn't a total wimp. Uh, 
Yes, uh, Anduin liked being around uh, Prophet Velen, and uh, you know was always looking for the 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 peaceful way out of things, to resolve conflict. He's all about healing and that stuff. Yeah, and very interested. They did not see eye to eye with that sort of thing for a while. They grew apart for a period of time, but eventually they had some real nice father son bonding moments. And hey, can, uh, I, can I ask a mm-hmm. real quick question? Yeah. Is, is so okay? So we have Varian. Rin is is the dad, right? King Varian. The son is mm-hmm. is Anduin Rin, our priest hero. Right. Is he named after Anduin Lothar? That is I mean, absolutely correct. I was I was waiting okay. to see if you would catch on to that because Anduin Lothar was Varian's guardian as a child. Uh, he was, you know, the he was the commander of all the alliance forces, and so in his honor, he named his uh, son after him. Cool, cool. Okay, nice, nice. All right. Another reason Lothar should be a better card that more people use and like, but no. <laughs> Good question, Nate. We did get uh-huh. a little bit in the Priest Book of Heroes how Anduin was saying, like, my dad wanted me to be a warrior so bad, and, like, I just didn't want to do it. I was, I wanted to be a priest instead, and, like, <laughs> they did cover that part of it. Yeah. Um. Okay, okay, interesting. All right, all right, carry on. All right, so I think that brings us to the end of our core Stormwind story, but there are a few smaller things for us to talk about. Uh, next on our list is SI7, which is featuring very prominently and the flavor for the rogue class in Stormwind. Uh, it's kind of what it appears on the surface. What's your guys' impression of SI7 just from looking at cards and such? Well, it reminds me of MI5, right? I mean, that's the, <laughs> it's like Secret Service type, like spies yeah. and, you know, just co- an covert ops like or whatever. Ninja, roguey slant on it, right? That's basically it, yeah. SI7 is the Stormwind Secret Service. And uh, uh, the mustached gentleman at the top is Matthias Shaw. He is the leader of it. Uh, sometimes they go a little bit magical using like stealth and shadow magic in order to uh, disguise themselves, make kind of turn invisible. Um, but they also have just like kind of classic, like merging James Bond with medieval style uh, that they don't feature prominently in any of the stories, but they're always in the background providing a bit of reconnaissance for uh, Stormwind in this way or that to help them keep an eye on their enemies, especially the Horde, but lots of other stuff too. And as spies, they would have it no other way. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to be known well. That, that I find it's hilarious as uh, Scab's Cutter Butter now. He's like, who told you I was part of SI7? Like, he, he is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, like paranoid about uh, uh he's kind of like cogsworth in beauty of the beast like enchanted who said the castle was enchanted as the you know as the furniture is running around uh it, that that's kind of what scabs is his approach with the si7 and i love it it's that's, hilarious that's great hey really good question in chat is uh mm-hmm. matthias shaw related to houndmaster shaw Houndmaster Shaw is a Hearthstone original card, so I cannot tell you that because they didn't tell us that much detail when they created the character. I'd say at this point, make it your headcanon either way. They could be related in some fashion, or could just be one of those things where people happen to have the last name 
maybe even grew up in the same town, but it was just one of those cases where there were two families that happened to have the same name in the area. I've encountered that sort of thing in real life a decent amount, actually. So on the, it could go either way. In the wiki here, it says that uh, he um, that Houndmaster Shaw works for uh, King Gen Greymane, and he grew up... Um, uh, he is rumored to have been raised by a pack of hounds on the streets of Gilneas. Uh, <laughs> so I, I sort of doubt that. Um, yeah, I think they, they, they're from entirely different kingdoms. So they're probably not related. Could be some distant relation. Maybe they have a common ancestor that one part decided to go to Stormwind, the other part uh, decided to go to Gilneas. Who knows? Make up whichever you want. There's nothing to contradict it right now. Whatever story okay. you like best. Like the Bagginses and the Sackville Bagginses. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty apt, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, well, yeah, having the kind of James Bond spy theme makes sense now with like the new quest lines and how you get the spy gadgets and yeah. So that's pretty cool. I and maybe I'll ask you later, but it it seems to me like if they're going to go down this SI seven route, that Matthias Shaw would seem like a really cool legendary rogue card to get in the mini set like just saying he is, he is on my list of uh characters that should be rogue uh legendaries uh he's pretty high on it actually so yeah that's uh we, we can talk more about theories for mini set later that could play a part yes uh, yes but right, yeah but, let's but, carry we'll on get then. to that later on all right so, so we have then the church of the holy light right or or is there more si7 Nope, nope, that's, uh, yep, Church of the Holy Light is our next topic here. And Holy Light. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a really good impression. Yeah, it was. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, the Church of the Holy Light is, uh, founded, uh, had influence from Lordaeron. Lordaeron was really where the Church of the Holy Light was strongest, but it made a pretty uh, strong presence down in Stormwind with, uh, you could essentially say missionaries or whatnot, especially during the First War, uh, when there they were clerics who came down, they would, it was really necessary to heal the uh, the wounded soldiers and whatnot. They kind of grew in popularity, uh, established, uh, their headquarters was at uh, they had the Cathedral of the Light and Stormwind, but they also had Northshire Abbey, thus Northshire Cleric, uh, mm -hmm. which happens to be the starting zone when you make a human in World of Warcraft. Uh, and you play through areas outside Stormwind like Elwyn Forest, and uh, a lot of the first uh, enemies that you fight in that area when you make a human are some of our basic Hearthstone cards, like your Elven Boars, like your Kobolds, uh, or like, you know, Take Candle, um, and uh, like the Defias Brotherhood later on. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've just kind of... And, and the Knolls, and Hogger. Hogger, it became famous because he is one of the first uh, bosses... Uh, just like out in the world, uh, uh, a harder quest boss that new uh, human characters would fight on their way to Stormwind. And uh, so all, all of this just kind of ties in. But for the Church of the Holy Light in general, and uh, this is where we also are going to talk about Dark Bishop Benedictus, because he was the 
Well, Bishop, he, he was the uh, guy who was in charge of the church in that area, guiding souls. And he held up pretty well through the first couple wars against the Horde. He saw that oh, the, these are, you know, yeah, some, some tests of faith or whatnot, but, you know, the light will get us through all this. But then the third war came along, and that was when we had, like, Kel'Thuzad and the Lich King and uh, just a whole bunch of nasty stuff involving the undead, and so many things were destroyed. Heroes became villains, and this just kind of broke him. He was like, why didn't the Light protect these people from all this horrible stuff? Uh, he basically had a big crisis of faith, and that made him a prime target for the Twilight's Hammer Cult, which is led by Cho'Gall, by the way. Uh, hmm. So, uh, yep. Yep, that, that card that everybody plays in their Wild Warlock <laughs> decks. <laughs> but, uh, so what Cho'Gall did as the leader of the Twilight's Hammer was he sent uh, messengers to Archbishop Benedictus who disguised themselves as penitents seeking guidance. So basically, the, the whole point was to weaken his faith in the light. They basically go like, ah, oh, I've just been really struggling with my faith in the light, Archbishop. I mean, like, I've even heard that, that there's this other voice that's opposite light called the Void that a lot of people say is, you know, really big and scary and evil, but they say, you know, like, it would never abandon its followers. Uh, it, it's really powerful. Isn't that horrible, Archbishop? And so, like, they're raising it like it's something it's bad but they're really secretly trying to convince him of it and just open his mind to the possibilities and he's like eh, you know i've heard of shadow magic like i always figured it was evil and you should never touch it but uh, maybe it's not so bad after all he started to become very much a moral relativist like eh, it's <laughs> no good there's no evil um <laughs> And then that allowed the old gods to appear to him in his dreams and uh, show him a vision of the end of all things, the hour of twilight that Deathwing really wants to bring about. And uh, in his mind, which was rather twisted right now, uh, the Archbishop didn't see this as something horrible. He's like, wow, <laughs> this is the way the universe is supposed to be. I've been fighting against it all this time. Like, Serving the light and trying to heal people. No, I've been doing it all wrong. We need to destroy everything. And then, you know, we'll fight against the light. And then I'll be the master of my own destiny. I'm totally not being mind-controlled by old gods. And uh, <laughs> then he became a leader in the Twilight's Hammer Cult. Um, like, he still publicly kept his image as the Archbishop. Through sheer willpower, he maintained his ability to wield the light and appear like he was still the really holy guy. But uh, he actually just kept recruiting more and more people to be old god-worshipping cultists. And when Deathwing destroyed Stormwind, getting back to that, one of his, his main goal, why he didn't just destroy the entire thing, he just wanted to make enough people depressed that they would run to the Archbishop for consolation... And oh, it just so happens that results in them joining Deathwing's side. What do you know? And uh, see, that was that. That's the story 
of uh, what Dark Bishop Benedictus is going there. After Cho'Gal was killed by adventurers in a Warcraft raid, uh, he decided to take up leadership of the Twilight's Hammer cult. He threw off his uh, disguise as the Archbishop and just became known as the Twilight Father and uh, led the cult for a while until he was eventually taken down. So that's in uh, in Dark Bishop Benedictus. You can see he's still kind of he has like the bishop's hat or whatnot. The uh, Archbishop Benedictus that we got back in Frozen Throne is more of his Twilight Father stuff, where he's just kind of thrown away all pretense. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because he still looks pretty evil in the first card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say he was flawless in hiding his evil. <laughs> he breaks through every so often. You know, you get stressed or whatnot. Uh, your boy goes through, but and, and, yeah, and it's kind of thematic too in the original card because oh, hey, all of these followers of the light, he's converting them into the the twilight cult. So he's taking the opponent's deck and shuffling it into yours. It makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I love that. I love it actually that. Has actually has nothing to do with the Lich King at all, and I have no clue why they decided to put him in that deck, But uh, which is why they decided to reprint him here, where he made a little bit more sense. <laughs> that's and, great. And so yeah, that's the uh, basics of our lore story before we move on to cards that are a bit more gameplay focused. Does anyone have any questions, uh, points of clarification for the narrative? Um, I'm guessing that the Dark Bishop Benedictus is after he's kind of uh, thrown off his guise of of uh, um, serving the light and is kind of embracing the the call of the void and you know yeah or or maybe just kind of what he's doing when no one's watching type of stuff okay. like uh, you know what what he, what he gets up to in his spare time in his bedroom or whatnot. Uh, you know, just like, you know, his mom opens the door and sees him playing with the void. What are you doing, mom? <laughs> it's actually pretty I'm interesting. Experimenting. I'm discovering myself. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> hey, what I think is funny here, though, is if you if you look at these two side by side, uh, it's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. If you look at Archbishop Benedictus as his like holy light version, and then you look at Dark Bishop Benedictus, mm -hmm. like he's got the outfit. The outfit is the same. Where when you look at once he becomes like the evil version in the in World of Warcraft, like the, the Twilight Father, the, the Twilight Father, the the card art in Hearthstone matches. Where this, he's still wearing his Archbishop outfit. It's just has like changed colors now, but he's still yeah. got his little cherub wings and he's got his big <laughs> pope hat and and all of his mm -hmm. uh, you know his stuff here. And so that makes sense where he's like in between. And I think it it makes sense lore wise as well. Like he hasn't fully gone evil yet in the public he's like evil on the down low right yeah that. he's still in storm when he still has public presence by the way at one point he actually did try to assassinate varian and anduin uh for the twilight's hammer cult but it was thankfully thwarted uh that was kind of the point where like he he made a public appearance and he's like okay i'm out of here time to just go beat the twilight father now nice nice 
So then we are moving on to some cards that are not so much uh, heavy lore characters, a lot of story, but references to uh, NPCs in World of Warcraft that are uh, part of various uh, gameplay features, often very iconic ones. We're starting out with the Auction House, which is uh, basically where players can go to sell and trade uh, various goods. It could be gear that they looted from a defeated enemy. It could be uh, goods that they crafted. Um, it's also where people, uh, my typical style when I play is to save up enough gold, then you can buy these things called WoW tokens, which basically gives you game time because for some reason, there's players of the game who want in-game gold so much, they will literally buy game time and sell it to people in the game for gold basically transferring real money into gold. I don't get it, but hey, I can benefit from it, and I don't have to pay a subscription. But cool. uh, the way you access all this is through auctioneer NPCs, and our legendary here, Auctioneer Jackson, uh, she has just the teensiest bit of story, um, because uh, at one point... There is kind of this really cute thing where uh, her son is bringing her coffee every hour on the hour because like she's there twenty four seven having to manage all of these auctions, and so it's like her son is helping to keep her caffeinated or whatnot so that she's alert and be able to handle all of this. Um, unfortunately, it was later revealed that uh, she was killed and replaced by a demon of the Burning Legion uh, disguising trying to infiltrate Stormwind. So, unfortunately, she uh, met some sort of grisly fate, but uh, she her focus as a card here is... Uh, well, she's alive at this point in the story, at least, and is just kind of representing what auctioneers do. Um... Because it's the focus on the trading. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does anyone actually? Uh, what, what's everyone's opinion on this card? Out of curiosity. Uh, this is an achievement hunting card. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I yeah I yeah it. I got it in. I packed it in gold too. Um, <laughs> I did as well. I've seen somebody playing it. Uh, D money games uh, playing it in standard uh, trade handlock, but. Um, huh. Outside of that, I don't think I've seen anyone seriously trying to play uh, Auctioneer Jackson. Yeah, I kid you, I kid you not. Some people who play Warcraft, their way of playing the game is playing the stock market on the auction house of just buying low and selling high, and that's the main way that they have fun playing the game. It, for reasons I personally have trouble comprehending, but I'm not a huge economics guy myself, so. Yeah, well, it, it in Hearthstone, unfortunately, Auctioneer Jackson doesn't really do too much, <laughs> right? Two mana, two, three, we see that all the time. And no tribe, no really good effect. So unfortunately, it, rip Auctioneer Jackson. Sorry you had to die in WoW. But, <laughs> but you, you live on really in Hearthstone. You have not found much of a second life in Hearthstone. <laughs> you have not found much of a second life in Hearthstone. That's funny. Like you're, Good looking card though. It's nice. Oh yeah, it's 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 a neat little pose. It really captures like the the uh the energy of having to manage an auction. Go once, going twice, sold. And, like I can't can you imagine having to manage like thousands of players trying to sell things at once. Oh, that's funny. Uh, ridiculous crazy. hat could do it. You could be auctioneer hat. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good at it. Yeah. Oh, all right. 
So then we move on to our Flight Master, who we all got, uh, we've played with for a lot longer than any of these other cards, since he was our free pre-release card. And uh, basically, uh, so flight paths are just ways that you can more quickly get around World of Warcraft without having to move yourself. Uh, they are, if you have to go somewhere really far, they are amazing bathroom breaks, uh, where you, you can just <laughs> leave it and the, it's taking you somewhere else. Um, in Stormwind, uh, he is the Griffin Master, so, you know, different areas, Flight Masters might have their own, uh, things that you fly on, like the Horde tends to have their Wyverns, uh, there will be different things in different areas, but the Alliance, their main flying mounts are Griffins that, uh, have been domesticated for a long time. I don't think we actually have any lore stories about how they came to domesticate griffins, which you think would be something really cool and a really big deal. Because, I mean, look at these things. To be able to have a stable full of this stuff like their horses, that is impressive. Uh, half lions, half eagles. But, uh, no, we, we don't have any of that so far. And, uh, basically he's just kind of the guy that you click on and you select the flight path of where you want to go in the Eastern Kingdoms area, uh, and you just send on its way. He's really not someone who has any story or who you interact with in any other fashion, but, uh, he's, he's a bit of an older model, uh, which is why he has that, um early game armor appearance that's <laughs> uh not quite the the most put together um looks like he threw together a bad cosplay but uh, and, and he has those square glasses but they they just decided to kind of keep it as a unique iconic look and transfer it over into the card and, oh my goodness well, he looks like a like a circus um you know uh what do you call the uh, ringmaster ringmaster yeah 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 that's great. That's really funny. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, the card art and the game art translates like a hundred percent. I mean, oh yeah, the it's like straight out of the game. That's really funny and thematically the same as well. Like, all right, hey, you can travel to these different places. Where do you want to go? And they take different amounts of time. Yes, and, and they're based off of just how close those things are to get to. So mm -hmm. the Plaguelands, the one that takes the 12 turns, is way up in the north where Lordaeron was. That's uh, what Lordaeron became known as after it was destroyed by the undead and had all the undead plague around, thus the Plaguelands. And so that's why it, it takes a really long time. That's one of those bathroom break flights. And so uh, that's why it takes 12 turns to get there. It's <laughs> significantly less for you to get to uh, Ironforge, for example, so where you get the healing bruise and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I actually forgot what the first place is that you can go that only takes one turn and you get the Adventurer. Does anyone remember what that uh, card option is? Not offhand, but as soon as I saw it, I... It's, I it's somewhere really close. Um... But yeah, so that I, I, that's really fun how that game aspect is just captured in so many ways in that card there. Um, yeah, then the true to form for the battlegrounds hero as well. Um, the the new buddy there kind of follows the same general ideas with different re rewards. Ah, uh, Westfall. Doctor Fresh yeah. reminded us in the there chat. Yeah, Westfall is literally right the zone right next to Stormwind. Oh, that makes Elwind sense. Forest. It's it's often like the second place that people will go after 
Elwyn Force was their first zone. They stopped in Stormwind, the capital city, which is yeah, kind of like uh, the way a lot the adventurers are doing in the cinematic, where you you've been out fighting an adventure for so long, you're kind of exhausted, you're relieved to get into the big city where you can rest up at the end and restock with supplies and all that stuff. That that's how it is in the game for uh, a lot of uh, beginning players, and. Uh, yeah, and then West Falls often where they'll go right after that. So yeah, that's kind of uh, I just really love how so many so many aspects of player experience in Stormwind are captured in this game. Yeah, that uh, makes me really appreciate the effort that they put into making these cards. Just to think of the little things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th this is the sort of thing that I always get real excited about in reveal season. I'm like, oh, they brought this part into the game. All you guys are thinking about, hmm, what are the stats on this? Is this actually a good card to play with? I'm just geeking out that, oh, they mentioned flight paths and mounts. We'll talk a little bit more about mounts later. But I was so excited that mounts are a thing in, in Hearthstone. Uh, our next topic here, uh, if I can calm down for a second, is uh, talking about our little references to the guards and the stockades. Um, so the guards are mainly the people, they don't actually do a ton of guarding so much <laughs> in Warcraft. They are standing around. They are the people who, if you want to find something in this big city, you ask them for directions. You want to find the flight masker, ask a guard. Want to find a... Uh, the inn, ask a guard. Want to find a place where you can uh, learn some professions or whatnot? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's something that I actually forgot about when we were setting up all this to talk about the profession tools. We can, we can mention that briefly, actually. Um, so the, the our little uh, weapons that are the profession tools are just uh, kind of neat little references to things about uh, the uh, crafts that you can pick up where you can maybe make some armor or make gems or enchantments or various things that can help to improve your gear. And uh, so those are some of the tools that you'll get. And the capital city like Stormwind is often one of the places where you will learn that stuff as well, where you'll first get a trainer and then, you know, gradually start leveling up if you opted to, I'm going to be leatherworking or I'm going to be a jewel crafter or whatnot. And so that, that's really cool. That got put in too. Mm -hmm. But for mm -hmm. the guards, these are just the guys who stand around 24-7 to be the direction. Like the the greeters at a museum or whatnot. So they <laughs> hand you the map and they go, okay, let's see, the bathrooms are over here. The cafe is over here. That is that is what guards serve as for all practical purposes in World of Warcraft in Stormwind. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, and then the stockades, are they guarding mm -hmm. the stockades, or...? Some of them are. Uh, the stockades are basically the prison for, uh, for Stormwind. Uh, it's actually a place where, um, so, where a hogger was put once. And uh, so I, that's just a neat little area. It's, it's one of the dungeons that's actually set in Stormwind. And so we have our little references to uh, like Stockade Prisoner and the Entrapped Sorceress. And that's just another little area that's more just kind of a, a gameplay thing. There isn't really lore of the history of the Stockades, but it's another part of the flavor of Stormwind that I was really excited to see them add in. They, they've just done a really good job at giving the well-rounded picture of uh, how all this 
uh, of what it's like to be in Stormwind through the flavor of these cards, through the amazing art. Um, so can you get locked into the stockades as a player in WoW? And if no, so, can you escape like the stockades prisoner? <laughs> unfortunately, WoW is not one of those games that has a justice systems where you can complete crimes and be arrested. It is not Elder Scrolls Online. Um, but uh, that would be awesome if there was. Uh, but no, that that's not actually a thing. I think uh, everyone would be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's like someone ganked me to the stockades. <laughs> um, I guess on the flip side of that, are there any NPCs that are uh, stuck in the stockades that you can interact with, or, or are they kind of uh, um, <laughs> walled off by the stockade uh, bars themselves? Well, the one time you can enter the stockades, there is a dungeon uh, that is set in there. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later when it comes to theorizing about the mini set. Cool. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> uh, before we move on to talking about the mounts, uh, I just realized that uh, we haven't talked about those statues yet that you uh, wanted to learn about, Nate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me pull them up real quick. Because I, when I was looking early on at the Stormwind art, like the city itself is very iconic. You know, it's very, you know, big turrets and castles and everything is that blue and gold and the lions and everything but there's these iconic statues in the in the front of stormwind there's like what is it four or five these giant um you know their characters and so my question was hey are these you know i mean i assume they're like famous characters in the history of the alliance or whatever mm -hmm. um and uh yeah yeah how does that where, where do they sit in the game and what do they represent so these are just right outside the front gates of the city. As you are going in, you are passing under these guys. Uh, one of them is Torellian, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, another is Illyria, who you guys know as the alternate hunter hero. Uh, before we got more alternate hunter heroes. And she was uh, Torellian's wife, right? Didn't they? Yeah, yes? Okay. Yeah. I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had a son, too. Uh, and, that's, and, and she's uh, Sylvanas's sister? Right. Correct. Okay. Yep. The other sister is uh, Varisa Windrunner, who is the hunter legendary in Dalaran, who is not of Livatron uh, from mm -hmm. Rise of Shadows. And so, yeah, we, we have all three Windrunner sisters in game. But uh, basically, these statues are memorials for when all of these people were thought to be dead. So what happened was, remember I mentioned that the Dark Portal got sealed up, but it, later it got reopened? Mm -hmm. So when that happened, and there was some other parts, uh, like other missions from the Horde that were sneaking in to steal artifacts from Azeroth so that they could open up portals to other worlds, because, like, okay, Azeroth wasn't really working out, but surely there's somewhere out there we can conquer, right? Um... So they were getting a bunch they were stealing a bunch of magical stuff from azeroth in order to do that and uh the alliance decided that no we can't allow what they did to azeroth to happen to any other world and so an expedition was sent beyond the dark portal that was led by a group who called themselves the sons of lothar in honor because anduin lothar had recently been killed by the orc war chief uh doomhammer in uh, orgrim doomhammer in a final fight uh and so it was a way of honoring his memory 
when they sent in their expedition. What happened was that this was the part, uh, if you guys may remember, if you or if you go back and rewatch when we talked about Outland, uh, this is the part where the world of Draenor got shattered when they tried to open up all those portals that tore apart space and time and completely broke the world. And so in order to prevent Azeroth from getting affected by that too, the Sons of Lothar destroyed the Dark Portal but trapped themselves on that side. So naturally, when a group of people traps themselves on uh, the side of an exploding world in a self-sacrifice to protect your home... You assume they're dead, and what do you do to such great heroes? You build huge statues in their honor outside your capital city. Uh, then later on it turned out that, oh, they weren't dead. They say they had either just, like, disappeared into the Twisting Nether on a crusade against the demons, or were still on Outland. And uh, Khadgar was actually one of them, too. He was actually uh, one of the leaders... And uh, so when he later came back, and Torellian and Illyria later came back, and so they just kind of see these huge statues of themselves. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, there's even in one of the comics, uh, Torellian and Illyria are standing in front of it. Uh, for, it was before one of the recent expansions, Battle for Azeroth, and Torellian is joking like, hmm, they may have likeness about you, but I think they got my nose wrong. And, <laughs> Yeah, okay, I googled it. It says the front gate is filled with five statues. Denath, Trollbane, Kurdran, mm-hmm. Wildhammer, Archmage, Cadigar, Illyria, Windrunner, and General Torellian. Yep. Cool. All right. Very cool. So now uh, we can go to talking about the mounts, if you guys like. Sorry, right. wait, I had one other thing. It looks like we had notes about uh, trainers. Oh, yes, yes, I almost forgot about that part. So uh, something that I did mention uh, was that there's uh, profession trainers that you can learn professions from, but there were also class trainers where you would learn your class abilities, your spells and whatnot. It used to be that that was where you would uh, have to go every time you leveled up and unlocked something. You would have to buy, like, that you were paying for training lessons in your abilities like you you go to the mage and they teach you how to be a mage and open up portals you go to the warrior he teaches you how to wield an axe better or whatnot in the recent years you just automatically learn these things as you level up so class traders don't really do anything but it's a nice homage to what they used to do a bit more so They're not super relevant to gameplay, which is why I kind of almost forgot about them and put them at the end here. But, uh, yeah, so what we have here uh, for Druid, we have Sheldon Moontree, who's a Druid trainer. Uh, next three spells you draw are cast when drawn. That's, I think that's a reference to how like you would learn the spells. Maybe that's even a reference to now, like, cast when drawn, that you automatically know them when you level <laughs> up. Just a guess. But it kind of matches up, even if that was unintentional. And then we have one other trainer. We have the Shaman Trainer, who is a uh, Wildhammer Dwarf. And uh, let's see if I can remember how to pronounce his name. Like uh, Bolnar Hammerbeak or something, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. This thing, after you play a battle card, repeat that battle cry, play this turn kind of the similar about uh okay i'm showing you how to do something and now you can do it on your own it's kind of loose flavor 
Uh, but it, it it fits if you if you twist your mind enough to be able to fit it all in. Yeah, but one other card that feels like it should be a trainer is uh, Jace, the mm -hmm. um, Demon Hunter one, because, oh, replay all the fell spells. Oh, hey, right. I've this thing. Whether that, you know, comes from the lore, which it doesn't sound like it is, it kind of seems like it fits that same archetype um, as these other two. Yeah, it is the same general thing. Uh, we, we put him in a different category. We'll talk about him in just a little bit after the mounts because he doesn't really belong in Stormwinds, but you're right, he fits the same general... He, he's acting as a trainer for Demon Hunters in this card in much the same way that these other cards are. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, what do you guys know about mounts? You ride on them. <laughs> yeah, you can't get them right away and you gotta level up first that's why I, I liked to be a shaman so I could turn into an animal and run faster <laughs> that is correct yep with the, that ghost wolf ability ghost or, wolf that's what it called yep. or if you're a druid and you get your shapeshift ability but uh, yeah so what we have here for most of these and I'm kind of annoyed that you know for for a lot of these expansions, Hearthstone will have a lot of these cool little gimmick uh, card themes, but they won't do them for every class. Yeah, so that was a bummer. What we yeah, they didn't do it for all the professions, and they didn't do it for all here. So the mounts that we do have, for the most part, are the racial mounts that you get in the game. So every race kind of has their, the one that's, oh, you know, in your race's capital city, uh, there's the vendor who was selling these, and this will most likely be your first mount. And so that's what we have matched right here, starting with the Elec mounts, since uh, Priest is being represented by our lovely Drenai character here. Uh, then we have the Elec mounts, which are basically space elephants. Uh, they are from these Renai's original homeworld of Argus because they're from a different planet. Again, whole other story here, but uh, they're basically their preferred domesticated beasts. And I love how this card, it's really about the bulkiness of, oh yeah, of course you're going to get taunted and blocked when a huge elephant-sized creature is standing in your way. Space elephant-sized creature. <laughs> yes, yes, space elephant-sized. And, uh, and pink, too, apparently. I think the flavor text even says something about pink Alex on parade. If I remember oh, my correctly. goodness, that's great. That's really funny. That, that's, mm -hmm. that's great flavor. Yeah, I love flavor text in Hearthstone. So many amazing references and jokes for all this stuff. And let's see, what's, uh, what's the next Dakota. one we're talking about? Ah, Kodo, yes. Kodos are the Tauron uh, racial mounts. They are kind of like a combination of cattle and rhinoceroses, uh, basically. Uh, they, you see they have their horns. They are roaming wild, but the Tauron have many domesticated ones. And of course, especially for a druid, like uh, they're all about the, the bond with the animals and whatnot. So also a Kodo is one of the few animals that is lore-wise big and strong enough to carry a Tauron on its back. Because <laughs> Tauron, like it, even the, their size of the game models 
does not do them justice. Lore-wise, they are huge. Like, they, they are, you know, minotaur size. The size of a cow standing up on its hind legs and whatnot. They would tower over us uh, for actual, the the way that they are story-wise. That They can't quite do that in the game. That, that would create some uh, scaling issues or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so they need an animal like a Kodo who is able, big and strong enough. Like, riding riding a rhinoceros to uh carry you around and uh let's see its ability is representing uh oh yes it has rush so it's kind of like that charging rhino feel right there so yeah. another pretty good uh pretty good lore uh flare match here cool uh the next one up is the ram Yes, rams are the dwarven racial mount because the dwarves live in the mountains and so naturally you need a more sure-footed animal in order to get around the mountains. Uh, they also like having them around for their holiday brewfest. Uh, there's like special brewfest rams. There's actually brewfest kodos too uh, that you can get in the game at the holiday, which is basically the war- the. the lore version of Oktoberfest in Germany. Like, they even have pretzels and stuff, too. Uh, It's a holiday in the game uh, every year. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, Dwarves like rams, and so uh, we have, let's see, it gets uh, 2-2 and immune while attacking. So, yeah, you can see with the art, it's also kind of going for that whole charging feel, uh, just trying to interpret it mechanically in a different way than rush yeah okay okay cool uh and then we have the the horse although oops there we go it's um like when i was doing the research on this like this is specifically a paladin mount and that so is correct. It was very interesting. Like they pulled this art straight out of off the Paladin Mount in the game. Mm-hmm. So, like I'm sitting here looking at horses, and it's just giving me all these vanilla horses. I'm like, eh, <laughs> this isn't quite right. Uh, so I typed in Paladin Mount, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's exactly <laughs> like. I'm always impressed when they pull the in-game art and make it the card art. Like it's just so clean. Um, me too. I love the armor on it. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wearing a hat, and by hat, I can help. <laughs> yep, it's all armored <laughs> and such. So yes, the horse is the default human racial mount, but paladins always get their own special mount that they can summon that actually changes according to your race. If you are a human paladin, then this is what you get. If you're a dwarven paladin, you get a special paladin ram. Uh, if you are a paladin tauron, then you get a special kodo. Uh, if you're a paladin drenai, then you get a special elec. And uh, you also have an ability called divine steed that allows you to briefly summon um, uh, this mount that you ride on. You can do it in combat or indoors where normally you can't summon mounts in those areas or situations. Uh, as, as someone who has played Paladin uh, for the past couple years in Warcraft, when I do play it, it is a very handy ability to have. So I like that they're referencing that with this noble mount uh, and Divine Shield is just something that's so so key to Paladin. Uh, it's literally an ability Paladins have. It's a big uh, thing in Hearthstone with the Paladin flavor a lot of the time, and just kind of that whole the light is protecting me type of thing. Mm-hmm. Just, again, great flavor match for uh, the Noble Mount here. 
Nice, nice. And then the last one we have is the Dreadsteed. Right. So this one is not a racial mount uh, because the undead racial mount is a skeletal horse. However, uh, warlocks also have their own unique mounts. As a spell that you learn when you reach a certain level, you learn how to summon a Dreadsteed. Uh, now, this is actually in the art here. Uh, on the card, this looks a bit more like the first version that you learn, which is called a Felsteed, and it basically just looks like an evil-looking horse. Uh, eventually, when you level up and you get more powerful ones, you see some of the actual Dreadsteed, they're the ones who are a bit more fiery, they have the horns and whatnot, so you, you get kind of upgraded versions of them. But uh, apparently, Tamsin Roan, a uh, powerful warlock as she is, she might have been top of her class in uh, Skullamance, but uh, according to that art, at least, it looks like she still has a bit of leveling up to do. <laughs> <laughs> then again, <laughs> then again the amazing ability of this card, uh, that it summons the Dreadsteed card, uh, I know a lot... Ghoul Daniel literally just laughed as his reaction in the Shibo video. Uh, so I take it that a lot of people don't think that this is a very good card. However, the Dreadseed itself could be representing that, oh, she's leveling up, she went from Felsteed, and now she can finally summon Dreadsteeds. <laughs> I'm not certain, but uh, I, I choose to think of it in that more positive manner. It used to be okay back in the day, but uh, it's a four mana one one, and I don't know. You could abuse it back in the day before it got nerfed, so that it would not break the interaction with uh, Defile. Defile, uh, yeah. It was Defile, and it was also, I think, Grim, uh, Patron, Grim Patron. Yeah, yeah you you could kind of break the game, and go on an infinite Defile loop with those. Oh, just summoning infinite Grim Patrons because you always had something that was get it, getting it to cast again. I get you. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, I mean, the, some Warlock decks played it way back when in like Zoo or something, but it's a four mana one one. So it's a little, it's a, uh, now what it is, is I think it was cool when it auto summoned right away, but now mm -hmm. it says at the end of your turn. And so it, uh, it doesn't quite work yeah. as well anymore, but uh Anyways, yeah, I was just looking at the art for the Felsteed, and it's like spot on in the picture as well. And so that's interesting, though, that she uh, sort of levels up, if you will, from the Felsteed to the Dreadsteed. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like. Well, that. she might have she might have been a max level mage, but then she uh, reclassed into warlock, and so <laughs> she has to learn those start from level one at that point. I suppose <laughs> that's great. That's really funny. And so now uh, we can talk a bit about characters that feel a little off in this set, uh, which is Jay Starkweaver and Arathian. Uh, and basically the case with these guys is that they don't have anything to do with Stormwind. Uh, as I said, Jay Starkweaver is a demon hunter uh, character who basically for a lot of these demon hunter legendaries... Demon Hunter hasn't been a class in in Warcraft for nearly as long as any of the other classes. It's, and so they haven't really had much time to create a whole bunch of new Demon Hunter characters that have a lot of story to them. For a lot of these, like Horvath's Bloodthorn, um, 
uh, Sun Fury, uh, just all of them are part of the same initial group of demon hunters who are your companions in uh campaign if you create a demon hunter. Mm. Uh, and so they're actually kind of starting to run out of these characters. So either Warcraft will make more, uh, they'll have to branch out a bit more, like what they did, for example, in uh, well, in, in the Barrens where they decided to go with Death Knight Pig Guy instead of uh, having another uh, actual demon hunter character there so they might go in that direction or they might just make up a ton of hearthstone original demon hunter characters yeah like elise's uh, sister right it's all like mm-hmm. just what is it uh it's just like pure hearthstone only right exactly yep and, and what was so, the other one you mentioned last night i think it was St- uh Stalina's from um uh scholomance the demon hunter yeah, legendary yeah, there yeah. star star student stalina or whatever yeah she's a hearthstone original demon hunter as well so they'll probably have to do a combination of those but yeah the tricky thing is for demon hunter that it's if they want an actual demon hunter character odds are it's not going to go with the setting that they have it in uh, technically, Jace Darkweaver did visit Stormwind at uh, one or two points, but he's not core to any gameplay aspects or any lore aspects like the rest of this set is. They just needed a Demon Hunter character, and okay, he's pretty cool, and he fits in with our whole uh, giving things to Spell Tribes, because he's kind of the uh, the tech guy of the Demon Hunter group, of the Illidari. He uh, used to be a mage, and so he knows a lot about arcane stuff, and uh, he's... He's not a trainer because demon hunters were introduced after class trainers were super necessary. But uh, what he he is kind of the magic expert who, if you did have a trainer for demon hunters, it would make sense to be him. He he would fill that role pretty nicely. Uh, so yeah, see so he he fills that role in uh, in the in his Hearthstone card here. And then we had one other the the last one being um, Anatheron. Right. So Anatheron is a lore character. He is a, a canon uh, demon, a dreadlord, a member of the Burning Legion, much like characters like Malganus. Mm-hmm. However, um, he, he is not really a major front and center type of character. It's like he exists, he has a name, he pops up in as a named demon in demon armies a few times throughout the story and the games. But... Uh, he doesn't really have much story on his own, so what Hearthstone decided to do was take this existing character who has just the, uh, a bit to his name and uh, give him his own story. So the, his whole thing with relations with uh, Tamsin and uh, with... Why am I forgetting the name of oh, our Demon oh, Hunter? Kurtris, yeah. Kurtris, yeah. Uh, that is all Hearthstone original. They're just kind of taking him and giving, get, making up a, a nice new story for him, giving him a bit of spotlight that he didn't have in uh, Warcraft lore. So again, like he doesn't appear in Stormwind or anything, but uh, it is, it's pretty cool to see him here. I don't know how useful he'll be or how frequently I'll see him played as a card, but you know that he's going to pop up in the solo adventures quite a bit when we get to uh, we get to Tamsin and such. No yeah. excited for that. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be that cool. makes a lot of sense. Uh, we we did have some questions that we received um, 
through the Discord or through Twitter, but we it looks like we've got two final cards that are not really lore related as much as they are kind of nods to the classic games. Um that I I suppose I could talk about even or you can Goliath yeah. either way. Uh, tell, tell me your experience of the game. I'll supplement if there's anything I know you're leaving out. Sure. Yeah. So in the original Warcraft, especially Warcraft Two, because Warcraft One came early and there was very little to the game. I mean, it, it's it's cool, but uh, so the first up is the peasant, and this is our um, kind of uh, counterpart to the peon. Um, but on the Alliance side. And so this is your just ground level unit that builds all your stuff. Uh, the, you know, that line that you hear when you have no mana and you can't play anything, the job's done. Like that's the peasant. And so this unit, like they collect your gold and they chop trees and they build buildings. And so, um, you know, they've been around in all the Warcraft game, Warcraft one, two, three, and it's just your basic ground level unit. But it was cool since we got the peon last time to get the peasant. Uh, and then I thought it was cute that um, our buddy Bat Mazel said that they uh, designed this card after him. And in comparing his picture with the, the <laughs> card, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they did, actually. That's great. That's nice. <laughs> That's incredible. That's um, so, like lore wise, like there's no lore. This is your like basic building type unit. Um, mm hmm. Not the greatest educated, but they he, he'll he'll put in a full days of honest work, and that's really all you can you, you can ask for, right? Yeah. Uh, the other one that we got uh, was a ship from Warcraft Two, the Juggernaut. So this is in our our warrior quest line. The final reward is the Juggernaut. That uh, says at the start of your turn, summon a pirate, equip the warrior weapon, and fire two cannons that deal two damage. Um, this is one of the bulkier, like C units from the horde in Warcraft two. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, presented pretty well. Like the artwork here is from the, the manual and like they pulled the art pretty much straight from it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it shoots cannons and, uh, <laughs> it, that's what it does i mean <laughs> bringing so, back some memories man i miss those ships in warcraft right yeah it's really cool and so and I mean, the, just whole, a little... the whole water element in the game when you had your you, you would harvest the oil off the coast and everything and have to protect those it's a whole other element to the game oh yeah it was fun it was fun the the tankers and and the you know the carriers you put the troops in to take them over like it makes me want to play those again. Um, <laughs> that being said, you can get Warcraft Two um, and the expansion for super cheap, like on GOG, five dollars or ten dollars or oh, something. Really? Yeah. And you can so, run on modern computers. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. Yep. Oh, I nice. recently played the first Warcraft like six months ago. I went, oh. went back and revisited it, and it, nice. it runs fine. It's like in window, in windowed mode, like super <laughs> kind of small. Don't make it fit your whole screen it might look a little weird <laughs> yeah so you can get uh yeah so you can get warcraft one and warcraft two and the expansion all three games for fifteen dollars is okay. uh is the um there's a bundle and the installer uh like it works for modern computers so i'll i've just put it in the in the chat over here so if anyone's interested but yeah no it's cool it's it's uh it's good and it's a lot of fun 
So yeah, no, like lore-wise, no. It's just a fun kind of nod to the old games. So I like that. But yeah, I think that's I think that's it as far as cards go. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep, that's all our basics to cover right here. So now you know the basis what's going on specific story-wise. You know uh, where Stormwind came from and uh, kind of what, what its current state is now and just kind of took the, took the tour a little bit. Which again, this set does an amazing job. It feels like you're getting a tour of all the, the main key spots in Stormwind. Yeah. Uh, now, you said that we had some questions to answer? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll just read them through. So, uh, from Praise Chicken Drumstick, he asks, Why does Lady Prestor not have the dragon tag? For that, I would say the answer is probably why Rathian does not have the dragon tag. Uh, the flavor text literally says, Why doesn't he have a dragon tag? All right, what are you trying to do? Blow his cover? <laughs> They're probably emulating something like that. I'm sure there's mechanical reasons for it. The whole like interaction with uh, whether a card is a dragon or not a dragon may for some reason be complicated if the card you're playing was in fact a dragon. But I think that they're doing it for uh, the reasons that it kind of represents how they are incognito. They're in disguise, yeah. Yes, and uh, also probably just for the simplistic purposes that it would confuse the heck out of people who don't have any idea of the story why there's a dragon tag on what looks to just be a human. Um, I it's kind of like yeah. like like the one card we recently got where they're dressed up as a murloc, but it's not a murloc. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Do you know the one? Yep, yep. I it's like <laughs> costumed entertainer or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. But no, I mean, it's the it no, makes it makes sense, right? So Lady Prestor is just that's that's the disguise. Oh, that's right. But but Anixia yeah. is a dragon, and so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So the real question is, since she doesn't have the dragon tag, she's incognito. She's undercover. Why doesn't she have the SI seven tag? <laughs> well, she, she wasn't a member of SI7, uh, though she was probably capable of manipulating them to some degree with the political power she acquired under Weakwill's Varian. Uh, she was far more likely to use the Defiance Brotherhood to do her sneaky, dirty work than SI7, though. Yeah, no, that, oh, makes, that sense. makes sense. Okay, next question is from Schmoopy Daddy, and he's got a couple. But the first one is, what is your favorite flavor card from United in Stormwind? Ah, that is hard. Like I said, there's a lot of good ones here. Uh, just a sec. I need to go and quickly have a check on uh, what all of... I'm just going to have a quick look at the uh, Hearthstone wiki to go through all the different cards and refresh myself. I do think that Jace is really cool with his emphasis on the fell spells. Um... I mentioned a uh, High Lord for a Dragon. I really like how uh, how he's a kind of a combination of his previous versions. Dark Bishop Benedictus is really spot on with the lore in terms of just that the whole flavor of the becoming the Shadow Priest uh, that's really carried through in his story, in his art, in the animations, in the whole fact that y- you have to use all Shadow spells in order for any of this to work in the first place. I'd say that's probably a really good one. Um, Lothar, uh, 
like I said, I, uh, his, his effect could be a bit better, but I do think it really does look work well uh, for a match in terms of his attacking the different enemies and getting stronger because like he's leading all of the uh, armies of the Alliance. Because one of their chief strategies, they did a lot of hit-and-run type of things. They used the Horde's mobility against them, and so that was one of the key ways that they could fight these uh, larger, more brutish orc creatures, literally infused with demonic strength by the way uh and but was by doing these hit and run tactics so i think that's a pretty good um match for that sort of thing as well um as an aside i will say that there's a couple cards here that we're not talking about because they are entirely hearthstone exclusive like the rat king uh and the rogue legendary who is what like mistra of the masquerade yeah, um yeah yeah, they are entirely Hearthstone exclusive um, and don't really have any lore to talk about here. But I just love the flavor from Mr. of the Masquerade, that idea of disguising yourself as another class. I think that that's a flavor that really carries through strongly. And I don't know how viable it is as a card, but man, it looks fun to mess with people with. Yeah, yeah, but that's definitely. isn't that the sort of thing that being a rogue is all about? Just messing with people. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, the other one from Schmoopy is: Are there any cards that were included that didn't make sense to you? Why they were included? The example was Ural in the Dark Moon Fair, and I think we sort of covered it with um, with Jace and with Anatheron, where like they don't really fit, like. You know, they're characters, but, like, they didn't really fit. So I don't know if there's anything aside from that. Uh, yeah, not really. Everything else fits pretty well with the place as big as Stormwind. Uh, now, you may notice that they did have to reprint several characters uh, because they kind of used stuff up beforehand. If they had a strict policy of we only make each character legendary once, then we'd probably have a bit larger problem since they'd used <laughs> up Varian and uh, Bolvar and uh, Archbishop Benedictus. Mm -hmm. But uh, since they decided to, no, let's just do versions of them that make a bit more sense in Stormwind at this point in the story, then they were able to uh, just, they, they had enough to draw on. They didn't really have to bring in a lot of ones that didn't make sense. Like I said before, um, I don't entirely know. Uh, Bolvar, he was a paladin later on. I'm not entirely certain if he was a paladin at this point. He might have been, he might not. I can't quite remember uh, off the top of my head. But um, at the very least, he, he, he eventually became a paladin. So that makes, he fits that even if he wasn't one at this exact point in the story. Um, but yeah, but basically, uh, pretty much everything seems to make sense and fit here really well. Cool. Uh, the next question is, and I think we already got the answer from Bane. Are there any mounts from WoW or they, are they just made up? And no, we, that was very clear. Like these are the, uh, the racial mounts that go along with the class of the Drenai is, yeah. is the Elec and so forth. So that was a good question. And I would have loved to see more. I would have love to see like you know gnomes have their uh mecha strider map which is like a robot ostrich uh which you, as you actually see in uh one of the dark moon races cards there's uh, that's the one that i can't remember what it's called but if you have a secret in your hand it casts it um, yeah and you know maybe, what? maybe it's like yeah we saw yeah that's it 
we saw the art in the uh, trailer for United and Storm. Right. Yeah, I was expecting that they were all going to get one, but they didn't. Mm. And I was very disappointed at that. Uh, maybe, maybe this is just a guess. Maybe they fill in the rest of the mini set. They might not. In fact, they probably won't. But it's a possibility. Yeah. Just like you said, they featured it in the trailer. Yeah. So that's a good. That's a good question, and I want to save that question about the mini set for last because i think we can uh i've got we can a, couple... spend a while theorizing on that one well let's and... get the other stuff out of the way yeah and there's yeah there's a couple other questions that i wanted to hit real quick and i think they're relatively uh quick but um well so here's the mounts for people to look at in the meantime um okay so the next question up uh, is Ma uh, Master from the Masquerade from WoW. The answer was no. And then the follow-up, what about Cornelius Rome? And I think the answer to that is no because uh, he, is, I believe, is supposed to be the dad of Tamsin and Cariel Rome. Um, that is correct. Yeah, he, he's a Hearthstone original character. He was first mentioned in their uh, the biographies for both of those characters in the Meet the Mercenaries, and uh, this is the first time we've seen what he looks like or known anything more about him. Uh, but yeah, yep, he's Hearthstone exclusive. Again, it's... there's there is precedent for characters originating in Hearthstone to eventually make it into Warcraft, like members of the League of Explorers uh, did that. So. There's always the possibility that they could decide to put an NPC in there, like uh, like a, a paladin guard on a patrol, and give it the name Cornelius Roan to kind of canonize him. That would be really cool if they did that sort of thing at some point. But as it currently stands, no, he's Hearthstone exclusive. Gotcha. Uh, okay, Fly Flyzor Flyzor wants to know. He said, "Kurtris hates Anathron, right? Did Anathron destroy?" Any night elf settlements where per he perhaps killed Kurtris's family, and that's why he became a demon hunter. Now, I think that was all covered in the Meet the Mercenaries uh, mm -hmm. lore that was posted on the Hearthstone website. So, I believe that's correct, right? That Anathron is responsible yes. for the death of his family, which is why he is a demon hunter. And that is correct, and it's uh, touched on in the uh, in the the mercenary adventures as well. Uh, basically. Uh, Kurtis's whole thing is like, so the not, the elves who became demon hunters were all ones who had basically lost everything to Legion. Often that their home, all of their family were killed. Uh, everything they knew was destroyed, and so they went to uh, find Illidan because well, they have nothing less to lose. Uh, but it was kind of always against the Legion as a whole. Kurtis's story in particular here is that he has a particular vendetta against this one particular demon who did the who killed his family. And so he actually is abandoning Illidan and the greater cause in order to exact a personal vendetta because he's heard that a warlock is going to try to summon this particular demon. And so he wants to stop it himself. Uh, that's kind of the the basic story that's going on with uh, Kurtris and Anatheron. And uh, like I said, I'm really excited for whenever we get Tamsin's uh, story and uh, we get to have some stuff with... Uh, maybe there'll be a, a mini-game where we have some mechanics to try to summon him. That'll, that'll probably be fun if that Oh, happens. that'd be fun. Uh, okay, and then one other question. Um, did, uh, did SI7 make investigations against Lady Prestor and her sudden influence on the politics? I am not aware if they did. Um, 
they could have uh, done it secretly and, you know, they just were so good at their job, we don't know about it. But, uh, like I said, there were those who were suspicious. The people who were closest to Varian, especially Bolvar and Anduin, knew something was up. But it wasn't so much that there was a drastic change in Stormwind's politics. It was more that Varian just was suddenly a carpet for Lady Prestor. Uh, <laughs> she'd been around for a long time and was always trying to influence things one way or another. So there wasn't some drastic change. It wasn't like a revolution and a regime change or heck, not, not even as uh, drastic as things after a presidential election in America, of like if you have you know parties that switch or whatnot. Uh, this was just... Lady Prestor kept doing what Lady Prestor had always done. It was just that she happened to be a bit more effective because Varian was a lot more permissive of things. Uh, there were probably there were suspicions about Varian not quite being himself, but I'm not aware of any <laughs> deep political intrigue involving SI7. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and then the, the last question that we have uh, is, is from Flysor. He says, uh, oh, and, and also the most important question of all, are you guys Alliance or Horde? Which is great. Um, I've always considered myself faction neutral because I want to see and understand and experience the whole story. There are some parts that you can only get in the game if you're Horde, some parts you can only get if you're Alliance. Um, I initially played as Horde when I uh, started joining just because I liked their cooler, more wild aesthetic. Um, I, I initially played a Blood Elf Warlock. Uh, because I like the idea of kind of having an uh, alter ego that I could get pet <laughs> release frustrations through. Uh, so I go, I went with the evil faction, uh, the Horde. But uh, I, I started to appreciate a lot of their honor type of stuff and everything. But then when Balfour what happened when Sylvanas got in charge, the types of things that I was forced to do in the story quest just made me so darn uncomfortable that I decided to just completely switch to a new character and play a Dark Iron Paladin in Alliance, which I feel identifies with my true self in real life a lot more. So, grand story-wise, I'm back to neutral. I used to play Horde. Now I play Alliance during times when I actually feel like playing Warcraft. Nice, nice. Very good. I have not played well, any... I, I only played enough WoW to get the card, or the... Uh, the paladin hero portrait so and i played as a worgen actually mm. which i believe is alliance yep so yep. they're the members of that kingdom of gilneas right right yeah that's that's what i did even though they were their first enemy <laughs> i just thought <laughs> werewolves are cool <laughs> good reason and my name Horror. is wolf so it was just so natural <laughs> yes i i have thought that if i were to like, if we were to illustrate you guys as lore-type characters, I'm not entirely certain what I'd do for uh, the the other two guys here, but uh, I, I would make you a worgen instantly in the art. That it, It's just too perfect. I'm okay with that. <laughs> what about you, Sheep? Um, so I also only played um, enough to get the Lady Liadrin portrait, but I played a human hunter, I think. Uh I, I either played a human hunter or a human rogue. I meant to click on one, but it gave me the other one. Um, but I I only played enough to to get to to uh, the Lady Leadrin portrait, so I, I didn't stick around long enough for it to be properly impactful. 
It's kind of hilarious. It's like, oh, so what? How did you end up choosing your class and in play style that determines your approach to the entire game? I misclicked. (laughs) (laughs) I even, like, had recorded it, and I clicked on the correct one. It just gave me the other one. I just don't remember which one I clicked and which one it gave me the wrong one. You could have instantly recreated your character, too, but you went Uh through with it. Oh, yeah. We've gone too far. That's I mean, great. I only noticed it about like an hour into it, and in order to level all the way up, I think you only need like four hours. So I was like, mm-hmm. eh. <laughs> "That's hilarious." My kid brother was a Tauren warrior, and uh, that was always super cool. He played for ten or fifteen years. Like his character is mm-hmm. super cool. Uh, Tauren are one of my favorite horde races. That they're, they're just really cool. Like Goth is kind of the the uber Tauren. Uh, like most of them are, uh, they're peaceful by default of the fight if necessary. Guff is just like the kind of torn stereotype dialed up to 11 with how chillaxed he is about everything. Yeah. What about you, Hyder? You played a little bit, right? Yeah. Ever since like the original Warcraft games, I just always liked the Horde. I didn't like being the Alliance. I didn't like the whole holy light thing. I like the darker side of stuff being the horde the more gritty sort of style and then when wow came out i like i played in the whole burning crusade era and i made an undead mage and that was like my thing and i played that up to level 50 or whatever the cap was at the point back then and so I've just always been the horde i've played classic when classic came out and i jumped back in it just horde I just absolutely love the Horde. And then I convinced my wife to also make a Horde character as well. And so she's Horde, but then she recently made an Alliance character. And she's like, I don't know what all this hype is about the Horde. I think I like the Alliance. And I'm like, no! (laughs) (laughs) A house divided! (laughs) (laughs) Or either... She might be pulling my leg a little bit. I don't know. (laughs) There are two different... uh, You might... School of thought might be a fancy term for this, but ways of thinking about it. Some people like to make something that is more like their real life self as a way to uh, just kind of like, you know, vicariously put themselves into the world, into the game. Other people have the afternoons like, why would I want to be a human or anything that even resembles a human? I'm a human every day in real life. This is my chance to do something different. So mm. that that's one of the factors that tends to uh, determine whether people are alliance or horde. Uh, a slightly more unnerving one I find is sometimes people choose the race or faction that represents their real-life worldviews the most, and so they will go out of their way to justify any shady actions by that faction uh, because they're thereby justifying their real-life worldviews, which I tend to back away from those people like oh but that genocide was totally justified you know? uh, like that's a uh, thing <laughs> genocides happen in warcraft lore more often than you would think no, no i mean that people actually would do that There's not that... yeah uh yeah it's it, it makes me a bit nervous around those types of people honestly yeah nope 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 so, yeah, that's why i switched to a lie 
thing Sylvanas was having us do as Horde, and I was very uncomfortable, but other people were like, Yay, Sylvanas can do no wrong! She's totally justified in everything she's doing! Wow. All right, let's um, I we're we're going kind of long, so I want to maybe jump over to any predictions for yeah, the mini set. It is quite late. So I have a couple theories about this. Um, one of them is related to the stockades, like I've mentioned a few times. So mm -hmm. the stockades are uh, a dungeon that is actually in uh, the city of Stormwind. And given that our last one was a dungeon, it was the Wailing Caverns that was kind of a missing piece of the Barrens. Uh, I think that the Stockades could potentially do this. We could have some of the dungeon bosses as uh, some of the legendaries in there. Uh, for example, we could have a reprint of Hogger. Hogger is actually one of the... Uh, bosses that you fight he was captured taken to the stockades and the whole thing with the dungeon there is that there's a prison riot going on and you're having to quell things down uh so you fight a bunch of gnolls and hawker you fight a fire elemental in there whose name is i kid you not lord overheat um uh, <laughs> and uh then a guy Maybe his name is Randolph, I can't quite remember, uh, who is like a, a ringleader uh, of it, the human criminals in there. And you kill him and you get his uh, brother to impersonate him in order to, uh, they're twins, in order to convince everyone to stand down. So you're basically just kind of being the riot police in that, uh, in, a, in a fantasy setting. Um, so I think that could, that could potentially be the mini set. I think a couple other possibilities are that we could go over to Westfall. Like we mentioned earlier, uh, Westfall is kind of the breadbasket area. It's, it's, it's a big farm area that is close by to Stormwind and Elwyn Forest. And they could do some things based off of that. That's an area that suffered a lot in the Defias Brotherhood. Uh, there could be some characters from that region. Uh, we could also go to a different dungeon, a uh, very iconic one called the Dead Mines, that is in Westfall, where you fight against the Defias Brotherhood. Uh, initially, Edwin Van Cleef was the final boss for that, where you fight him on a actual, actually it is a juggernaut-like ship that they are planning on sailing out from their cave uh, in the Dead Mines and to go and bombard Stormwind, and you need to prevent them from doing that. There's a lot of iconic bosses in that. Uh, later on, Vanessa Van Cleef replaced her father as the final boss for that, who we have recently gotten as the Rogue Legendary. So there, there could be a reprint of Edwin, since he's currently mm. technically rotated out. That's what uh, I'm thinking after you've talked about this. Yeah. Mm. Um, the only reason I'm not going full on about this is because it is not in Stormwind and the stockades are how like the like I said the Dark Moon races were literally a part of the Dark Moon Fair. The Wheeling Caverns were literally in the Barrens. So I think that it's a possibility, but it's breaking the pattern a bit, so I'm not one hundred percent certain on it. I keep hearing um, that they could make like the Dead Mines as a full expansion. That is entirely possible or or an adventure of some sort mm -hmm. or whatnot. It is it's one of those that's 
the Dead Mines is for Alliance players, what the Wailing Caverns often was for Horde players. They they fill similar niches. So like they do mirror each other really well. And I think that it, it could do something. Uh, it very well could be. I'm thinking more and more as I'm talking about it, actually. But I think it's good to keep an open mind. Sure. Uh, the last one I would say is potentially maybe just a bit a general Elven Forest stuff. Uh, that's like that, that initial area outside of Stormwind, maybe a bit more Northshire Abbey. Uh, they could do some card references to some of the other very earliest, uh, uh, mobs that you fight. Um, maybe, uh, you know, the, the Cobalts, the Murlocs, the Anoles, all of that different stuff. Um, not leaning towards that one quite as heavily since a lot of that stuff is already in the game or reference like the Elwyn boar uh, is uh, part of this one. And so I, I'm leaving it open as a possibility, not a super strong one. I'm currently thinking that uh, Dead Mines or Stockades will probably be the main theme of the mini sets. Then again, I could get completely off guard. Stormwind has connections to a lot of stuff. So I'm trying to future-proof this so no one can go back and say, ha-ha, look how confident you were when you said that wrong thing. Oh, man, I, <laughs> we just rated the the Warlock quest super low, so it's it's fine. Yeah, we're all wrong every once in a while. It's, it's cool. But that's uh, the, 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 those are my my suggestions and uh, theories, pr- predictions about what the mini set will be. Though we'll have to wait. How long will we have to wait to find out? Uh, one month, two months? I forget what the timing is. Two. Two months. So, so little. Like that. Right. Everyone, come back in two months and comment on the YouTube video about <laughs> how correct or not I was. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. That'll be fun um okay well uh let's um transition then and start wrapping things up i want to uh pass things over to sheep to jump on our weekly challenge yeah um so we didn't initiate a a new weekly challenge last week because we had the massive set review episode um but the previous week's challenge was who can make the biggest combined stats on your dudes, the silver hand recruits for, from Paladin. Um, and you didn't have to do it specifically with Paladin. In fact, I think that uh, our, our winner, Mikkel, used um, Priest, if I recall correctly, <laughs> with Sir Finley. <laughs> That's how he was able to get the silver hand recruits into Priest. Clever, um, clever. Priest has so many buff cards. Exactly. So Mikkel won with uh, overall stats of 177, 177. So two 8888s and a 1 1. <laughs> I applaud you, sir. Very good. Uh, wow. And we did, of course, also have a runner up. And that was our buddy Jordan with overall stats of 109, 132. Um, so had, I thought he um, was going to win it too. Like that's also very good. (laughs) So, uh, three different 30, what? 36 Mm with divine shield, a 10, 15 and a nine, nine. So amazing effort, Jordan. But of course, Mickle pulled out the dub there. So Mickle, you're going to have a couple packs on us. Uh, Nate, uh, will reach out if he hasn't already. (laughs) <laughs> I will do. To, uh, yeah. 
to uh, deliver those packs. So congratulations on the win there, Mickle. Uh, Mickle just he, he he beat me out for the uh, chicken challenge too. The the oh, first one that so I tried. Close, yeah. I, I beat his first one, and then he uh, right away is like, oh, oh darn it! Now I have to go and make an even bigger one. Let me do that real quick. And I'm just like, I don't have the time to try to top that. But that, <laughs> that that's just amazing. His effectiveness with all of all of the weekly challenges. Uh, Mickle is a powerhouse. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Starting to give Kenry a run for his money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, however, to celebrate the story of uh, Lady Prestor and slash Anixia, the Brune Mother, this week's weekly challenge is to come up with the highest combined number of stats you can get with the dragons on Ooh. your side of the board. So only your side of the board. So uh, how many dragons you can get on your side of the board and their combined uh, stats, so attack and health. Uh, so whoever gets the largest combined stats wins. So, um, so, you can't, so you can't use Leroy Jenkins to get two uh, weapons for your <laughs> opponent to uh, help you. <laughs> no. Correct. Unless you then like Potion of Madness them onto your side. <laughs> you only count the ones on your side uh, okay, towards the overall stats. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest that, uh, that way of attacking them. <laughs> yeah, so unlike with uh, our, our chicken challenge, you don't have to get... Uh, um, lethal with the the stats on board so more like the silver hand recruit just raw stats on your side of the board but only the ones with the dragon tag could be any any dragon tag yeah yeah so so lady presto herself does not count nor does rathian or any other card that may or may not be a dragon in disguise no no No, Rita. Un- no. Unfortunately, correct. Uh, in, in the Hearthstone client, it has to say dragon at the bottom of the card. Good clarification, Goliath. Yep. Um, so, of course, like normal, uh, to compete in this challenge, you have to play the games in either ladder or casual um, if you don't want to take your rank. Um, but, of course, cannot be against a friend or the innkeeper uh, or any other PvE content um, because your friend will help you. The innkeeper doesn't know any better, and other PvE content can have some situations that may give you the upper hand. So, only on ladder or in casual. So, take a screenshot and post it in the Discord in the content contest entries section, and we will share the winner on next week's show. And of course, the winner gets two packs on us and some bragging rights. Um, so, if you are uh, not already in our Discord... Hop on over to borntobewildhs.com, click that Discord link, and you can uh, go that way. Or if you are alive in chat, it will be in the chat as well. Um, so that is how you can enter into the contest this week. Nice, nice. All right, everybody. Well, that that pretty much uh wraps it up for our show tonight before we go i wanted to say a big thank you to the patrons of our show first and foremost shokunin who is the executive producer of our show um thank you so much for all of your continued support and also to our patrons disruptor 108 claudette g daniel b wildcard armorn 
Ben from work, Turtle Boy, and Number Theory. Thank you all very much for your support. Uh, if anybody watching or listening is interested in supporting the show financially, you can visit our website at borntobewildhs.com. If you click on the Find Us page, there is a link to our Patreon, and uh, we've got plans that are as low as a dollar a month. If, if that's something like you feel like contributing to. Um, if you're somebody who's on Twitch a lot, we do have several emotes that you can unlock by subbing to us as well. Of course, there is I, I, we don't want you to feel obligated at all to do that, but uh, if you would like to support us, those are ways that you can do it. Also, leaving us, um, you know, a review on iTunes or uh, you know, like, subscribe, comment on any YouTube video. It goes a long, long way. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you all for for joining us in chat, and a big giant thank you to Goliath for donating your time tonight and coming to hang out with us. It I'm just like enthralled. To, like I, I mean, who would have knows? We we've been talking here for over three hours now, and it's just so captivating to get into the story. <laughs> and like I just get sucked in. It's so interesting. And and now when I play these cards, um, you know, we know where they came from, and and it's just it makes it so much more fun. And so I really appreciate your time. Um, if My people. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. If people want to uh, follow your content, where can they find you? So, um, one of the the main places you can find if you want to uh, learn some more lore from me, go to uh, the website out of dot cards. It's a uh, Hearthstone fan site. Also covers uh, some other games that we're always working on expanding stuff. I haven't gotten around to writing any articles in a few months because I've been busy with work and whatnot, but, uh, well, especially since I was busy prepping for this show anyway, that i uh, probably going to have some Stormwind stuff coming out in the relatively near future. Uh, I'll be having some things doing recaps on the type of stuff that we talked about here, uh, with the, the general history of Stormwind. Might also have uh, some stuff just kind of looking at the legendaries comparing how well their card effects match their lore i do a lot of uh examinations of cards of that sort of thing so that's out of dot cards and uh please visit because uh we could really you we can always use more uh visitors to the site and i get revenue every time you look at my uh, articles with no ad block on so uh please uh, you you will help to fund hearthstone for me oh nice um, nice and uh, I we also uh, have uh, I work with other people. Uh, we mentioned uh, Shibo earlier today with uh, the video that Nate was on. Uh, I work with Shibo with a couple of his videos. You can check out his stuff where he partners with me. Uh, we have a two videos about uh, Lore of the Undead. Uh, the third one will come out. At some point, it takes a while for him to make these because it's a lot of stuff to animate. Um, and, and he's been really busy trying to keep up with all the solo adventure reviews that have been... Because they've just been rapid fire with the release lately. Yeah, um, yeah. And then also, uh, I currently have a show that I do with uh, Mike Lowe slash Black Rot, who uh, was, uh, many of you know from when he was on this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, we call it Lore Masters. Uh, we do a bit more of an narrow focus than the type of stuff we talk about here, just taking a look at one legendary card and going a bit more in depth to their story. Uh, we've been having some 
uh, scheduling and uh, tech difficulties lately, so we haven't had a new episode in a while. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that soon. But you can go to Lore Masters uh, on YouTube and have a look at all of our previous episodes. We have ones on Eggwin. Uh, we have them on uh, Ragnaros, see, uh, right? Yep, yep, on yeah. Ragnaros. Yeah, yeah on about the Ashbringer and uh, Tyrion Forge Ring and all that stuff. So if you're curious about any of those, we try to make them a bit more evergreen, so you can just go and watch them whenever you want. Uh, and for me personally, uh, I sometimes stream on Twitch. I am trying to get a schedule where maybe I do it a bit more frequently. You can find me here on Twitch at uh, it's just Goliath the Dwarf, uh, capital G in Goliath, capital T in the, capital D in Dwarf. Uh, all one word. So hopefully I'll maybe provide content with that. I often do things that are very story-based in the games, uh, whether they're text narrative type of things, uh, like a game I played recently quite a bit called Sunless Seas. It's basically me reading things out very dramatically that are happening. Uh, or maybe I'll do a bit more typical, just you know, experiencing a story type of games. I'm considering... Maybe uh, d dipping my toe into the more horror game genre for something like uh, Resident Evil 7. Ooh, I don't typically fun. that sort of thing, but if I do, it will be at a place where I can be entertaining with my terror. So if you <laughs> want to potentially see that sort of thing happen, then uh, find me on Twitch. I also have a Discord that you can reach from that. I don't really do anything at currently, but if we build up a community, there's always that possibility, uh, which is also uh, Goliath the Dwarf on Discord, and you can find a link to that in my Twitch as well. Nice, nice. Super cool. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Hey, Sheep, where can people find you online? Yeah, um, you can find me online in places where Electric Sheep City fits. At Electric Sheep City, like Twitch, in places where Electric Sheep City doesn't fit, at eSheep City, like on Twitter. <laughs> um, so that is me around the internet. Hydra, where on the internet can you be reached? Well, you can definitely find me watching Goliath do that Resident Evil 7 stuff yeah. because that sounds awesome. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would be. I'm, I'm down for that. I would be down for that for sure. So hit me up when you're going to do that, Goliath. And thank you. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always an absolute pleasure. Uh, you can always find me on uh, Twitter at Hydralisk underscore HS and Twitch, same Hydralisk underscore HS. And please come check out our Discord. We've got a great community. I highly recommend popping in, saying hi. And we've got all sorts of things in there from just hanging out and chatting or talking about your new favorite deck if you're looking for decks or you just want to show us what you ate for breakfast <laughs> uh, it's 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 a great place to be and highly recommend it how about you nate yeah i'm pretty active on twitter uh you can find me there at nate wolf tcg it's n-a-t-e-w-o-l-f-e tcg um and, uh, of course, I'd second what Hydra says about the Discord. We've got a pretty active community going, especially um, been trying to uh, we share news quite frequently when there are updates with, uh, you know, the game or some things external to the game that are uh, relevant. Um, also, with a new set coming out, we have got channels, uh, separate deck list channels uh, broken down by class. And so if you're looking for cards to play, 
uh, regardless of what class, like we, we've got kind of some curated deck lists going there and just a bunch of other stuff. It's just a bunch of fun people hanging out and, and chatting. It's a pretty wholesome community and, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, and then we have a website, it's born to be wild hs.com. I will be spending some time this weekend, uh, updating it and, uh, looking forward to that and, um, getting, a this, this show up online. And if you're looking for um, other wild content creators as well, all of our past guests on the show, we've got links to all of their information there as well. So their uh, Twitches and Twitters and YouTubes and that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely check that out. That's born to be wild Uh We record the show live every Friday night. So I hope that you all um, are able to join us again next week. Next week's special guest is uh, Dr. Fish. So really looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, we've done a lot of co-oping together lately, so it'll be a lot of fun and, uh, he's cool. Great guy. Yeah. And, uh, final note to, to end the show, just a couple special shout outs from each of us. Um, I've been doing a lot of co-ops lately over the past week, which have been a lot of fun, uh, when I don't want to play, but I still want to watch other people play, talk through games and just hang out. Uh, it's been a really good time playing with friends. Uh, especially in the in our Born to Be Wild Discord, we've got a couple of uh, co-op channels where we can do some voice chat while we play games, and um, so I've been having a lot of fun with that. So big shout outs to Jordan, Ben from work, Duo Cat, Doctor Fish, Goliath the Dwarf, and uh, Praise Chicken Drumstick, Praise Chicken Drumstick for hanging out and chatting over the past week. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And also big shout out to um, NHL slash uh, Marty B for uh, streaming one night in Karazhan Heroic with me and Blue Train the other night. Uh, it was just it was a lot of fun and uh, especially trying to power through Heroic Chess, which was a kind of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, so. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Uh, over and over. <laughs> so, so uh, Marty, Marty B, enjoy your uh, well-earned card back there. Hyder, anybody want to shout out? Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Wild Streamer Wolfie Hawk, who I haven't seen online in quite a while, and just the other day I saw his name pop up on Twitch, and he's kind of a unique streamer who brings his computer with him he's a truck driver and when he makes his stop overnight where he's at a hotel or a truck stop or whatever he sets his laptop up he hooks up to whatever internet he possibly can get whether it's good (laughs) or bad and he just streams and he did this for the longest time a few years back and i hadn't seen him in forever and yeah just the other day i saw him come online and i was super stoked to see him and I absolutely love it. And just yeah, special shout out to him. Glad that he's back online. And uh, that's another place you can find me is in his chat it, whenever he's streaming, if I can catch him. Nice. Super Sheep, cool. What about you? Yeah, uh, I have to shout out our friend Schmoopy Daddy. Um, he uh, has been refining and tinkering that odd druid to try and make it a, a force to be reckoned with. And <laughs> I piggybacked on his dedication this week whenever I wanted to spend some time hanging out with our friend Guff. (laughs) So that's been a a lot of fun. um, And I owe a lot of that enjoyment to our buddy Schmoopy. Very cool. 
Hey, Goliath, closing out the show, is there any uh, any shout-outs that you'd like to give? Well, I guess I'd like to just reiterate my shout-out for uh, Shibo. Um, you can find him on uh, YouTube and on uh, Twitch at Shibo underscore plays underscore HS. Uh, I, there's very few streamers that I pop in frequently uh just because of time or whatnot even if i like the people in their content or in discord or whatnot but uh you can find me in his uh chat a decent amount of time i i I just tend to like uh being in uh streams with people who are small enough that i can actually have a conversation with them and you know they'll actually see what i'm writing and everything and he just has a great personality and uh it's really fun uh to see what he's tinkering with over there so I, I suppose that's that's the main person that i know well enough and watch enough to actually give a shout out to super Fair cool enough. hey wiser words were never spoken and you heard that on born to be wild